Welcome on in, 97.5, 1280 The Zone, DJ and PK coming at you on this Wednesday morning. What do we got? November 3rd, Thanksgiving later on this month. Some big football games for sure. We're talking football. We're talking jazz basketball. Of course we are. Well, right now, we're going to talk a little Utah football. Frank Dolce is our expert, former Utah quarterback. Let's hear from Frank. Frank, good morning. Good morning, DJ. Good morning, PK. Hello. You know, Frank, I got an right off the top of the bat, uh, show here, uh, interview, I should say. You always hear that, uh, take what the defense gives you. Well, if I'm a defensive coordinator, I don't give them anything. <laughs> yes. Yes, it's a, uh, it is an awkward phrase in, uh, in athletics. I, I don't know of one defensive, uh, well, I mean... I guess if I guess you could say, like, um, if you're playing, let's just say, for example, you're playing Oregon State, and you know Oregon State runs the ball pretty well, then you're going to do everything you can do to stop the the run. You're going to, you know, load the box and put a bunch of people at the line of scrimmage, and you're going to be you're going to be difficult to run against but you're going to give up the pass you're going to sacrifice the passing game and say we're not going to let you run but if you beat us with the pass then you know okay we'll we'll have to live with that we're going to sell out against the run so maybe you can make an argument that the defense is giving the pass in order to stop the uh oregon state's most important phase yeah, but then that would tick me off. You're telling me that you don't think we're good enough to run the ball against you? I'll show you. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, I, I mean, generally I don't think a defense is in a position to want to give anything to an offense. So Exactly, precisely. I've always wondered that, and you're the football expert, not me. And yet, despite the fact they don't want to give anything, Kyle Whittingham at his weekly press conference brought up the fact that Utah's now got a string of four straight games where the offense has piled up at least 450 yards of total offense, in some cases a few more than that, obviously. Are you beginning to think of Utah as an offensive juggernaut now capable of both running and passing the ball? Well, it is a, it is a very balanced attack. I, I know that, you know, we've We've all been through these Utah football teams in the Coach Whittingham era where you just didn't have any faith in one phase of the game. Mostly it's the passing game on the offensive side. And you just had to rely on even, even – and everybody knew it. You had to rely on the run game. Even in the face of an eight-man or nine-man box, I mean, pe- people would just load up against Utah in the run game, and, and Utah still – figured out a way to run the football and um and and so those were you know those were interesting times to to watch games but it feels like now there this is a much more balanced uh much more creative it's easy to be creative i guess when you have this kind of balance but much more creative offensive football team for utah and several times in in critical situations, Utah, like like third down situations, fourth down situations, Utah's been able to convert and pick up first downs not only with the running game, 
but by utilizing the passing game and not just like throwing a screen pass or throwing the ball to to a running back out of the backfield, but going downfield to a tight end or to a wide receiver to convert on those in those scenarios. So, I would say this this Utah offense this year has evolved into a very balanced attack, an offensive attack that you could say you could rely on both phases, the pass and the run. I have absolutely no doubt for multitude of reasons. One is that Utah's emerging, and the other is the division stinks. That my doubt is, I'm doubtless, basically, that Utah is going to win the South. I have zero doubt on this. I would bet everything that DJ owns that they're going to win the South. And that's a lot <laughs> of stuff to bet. Wow. I don't know how you put. I don't know how you take an accounting of all that stuff. I mean, exactly. That's a lot I mean, of I, stuff. yeah. I started two years ago, and I'm halfway done. Yeah. Well, you should hire a professional. Exactly. Yeah. But, precisely. Uh, Plus, he's all the stuff he's got, like in shoeboxes up in the attic. I mean, come on. He keeps stuff from the government too. Yeah. He does feel <laughs> like a conspiracy sort of guy to me. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh, I, you know, I think Utah's in a very good position in the South. There's no question about it. And if Utah plays to their potential, like we saw, you know, kind of against USC and a half against Washington State and and kind of a half against Oregon State and you know, pretty good game against UCLA. If if Utah plays up to their potential. When we've seen them be be really good, then I I I think they're very. That's a that's a tough out. Like I think they can go through the rest of the schedule, and and not get beaten. Uh, but we you know it's it is still you know it's why you play the games I guess they there's there still is a team that's shown a tendency at times to not be very good at the line of scrimmage to be loose with the football and. And if those things occur, then, you know, Utah's going to put themselves in, in a difficult situation. So, I, I, oh, the other thing, I hate, I hate mentioning this other thing, and so I'm just going to kind of graze over it, but, it, you know, you, the, the team has to stay healthy, especially key in, you know, in key position groups. They're already, they're already thin at the offensive line, and, you know, um, that's, a, that's a position group that just is going to have to, stay as healthy as possible through the rest of the season. And, um, you know, I think they're, I think they're thin, significantly thin and experienced at the quarterback position. So when, when you talk about depth, so health is going to be a, a major consideration, I think, going through the rest of the year. But if Utah stays healthy, if they play up to their potential, then I think they come out of the South as well. I think they come out right on top in the South. Well, they ought to come out on top of the South because Arizona's got a massive losing streak and Colorado has only beaten Arizona and won their money game. And that leaves a Stanford team that gives up 200 yards a game to everybody who wants to run the ball. I mean, they don't give up 200 yards to USC and to Washington State because they don't want to run the ball. But SC still ran for 185 yards. (laughs) I'm trying to figure out, aside from the turnovers, how Utah could screw up this game. And you turn it over four times, you can lose to anybody. Yeah. So that's there. But aside from that... Everybody's running for 200 yards on Stanford if they just try. And Utah's obviously going to try. Yes. Well, I mean, didn't didn't we just see 
uh, Arizona State do that? Like, we, we thought Arizona State was going to be a pretty good football team, and then all of a sudden they're – did they have four or five turnovers in that game? I mean, they're, they're – which, which quarter? <laughs> yeah, that's just the thing. That is exactly the thing. I mean, you, you go into these football games, and um, and if all goes right, if all goes well, then you know you should you shouldn't have a problem. You shouldn't you should come out on top. And then and then three three turnovers later, four turnovers later, you're on the wrong side of it. So you know, I don't I don't see that. I don't expect that to happen. I don't see that happening, but. It sure seems to come out at odd times in the, in the football season, especially in the in the Pac-12. So, I I am with you. Like I I'm I'm I have high expectations of Utah football right now, based on the, what they've done, especially on the offensive side. Uh, I still am curious about you know if a team really wants to line up and try and run the ball against Utah, how what kind of success they're going to have. So so that's the, that's something to consider, but. I th- this is a football team that that has a legitimate shot going through the rest of the year without taking a loss, going you know winning the South, going into the championship game. There's I don't think there's any question about that. The only question is if they can maintain this high level of play um, on a regular basis. I mean, they, you might have a bad quarter, a bad series, whatever here and there. If they can ma- maintain possession of the football and most importantly, if they can stay healthy, I think that's I think that's a real critical issue. I dare you to refute the following statement: Cam Rising is the best quarterback in a Pac-12. Let me. I'm thinking over all of the quarterbacks in the Pac-12. Well, we know he's better so, than Charlie Brewer. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, I would put him right at the top. I mean, I think there are guys who have high potential. In the Pac-12, I like Garbers. Uh, I like both Garbers. That you know, that's interesting. I like both Garbers. I like the Garbers at Cal. I think he's. I think he's very good. Although he's been, you know, a roller coaster ride this year. But I think he, his upside is very good. I like the Garbers we just saw at UCLA. In fact, I might even make the argument that in some ways that UCLA offense is more efficient with Garbers <laughs> at the quarterback position. So. Um, I I like Dorian Thompson Robinson. I think he's you know he's very athletic. He does a lot of things really well, and he's you know he's a he's a he's a tough guy. Uh, I've never been high on him w- winning a lot of football games, like being able to rely on him to win a lot of football games. So I I don't put I wouldn't put him even healthy at the top. Um, Jaden Daniels. Uh, I think he has. I, I think I'd put him kind of in the same class as Thompson Robinson. Uh, Brown at Oregon is an same kind of guy, like high, very high potential, but um, it it's streaky. Um, so as I'm looking at the kid at Stanford, I think he's above average. Too young. I think he's he's young. Yeah, I think he's above average. Uh, as I yeah, as I guess as I look across, the, you know, at the uh, the the kid Nolan at uh, Oregon State. What about Jaden um, Delora at Washington State? That's what we're building up to. And Jaden Delora, he's he was the last guy I was going to get to, but I think Jaden Delora is probably the the top, um, and he's 
seems to become become has become more consistent. So I think I would put those two those two guys, Delora and Cam Rising, as my one and two in the in the Pac-12 right now. Cam Rising has been super. I think he's been super consistent. Well, wow, he's rising consistent. up the rankings. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, he is. And and I don't like. There have been people who are talking about like. Well, he's a, you know, he's a game manager and he only completes, he only threw the ball 20 something times against UCLA and this and that. And I don't, I don't buy into any of that stuff. I mean, efficiency is efficiency at the quarterback position. And Utah did have the run game going and so they should lean on the running game. And then they just used the passing game perfectly to keep UCLA off balance. So, I mean, I don't think a quarterback has to throw the ball 35 times a game. Um, in order to be considered a top-tier quarterback. If your quarterback is completing 65-plus percent of his passes, no turnovers, moving the ball downfield, and utilizing a great running game, I don't know why you wouldn't put that quarterback right on. I mean, that's a, to me, that's kind of exactly the guy you want, is that guy who's going to make those kinds of plays and be very consistent. You got any doubts about the defense now? Yeah, I mean, I like this. I like this defense, and at times I think the defense is real has been really, really good. But there are times when you just scratch your head. Like Utah knew what they had to do defensively against Oregon State. Everybody knows what you have to do defensively against Oregon State, and so you knew that. You practiced for it. You prepared for it. Everybody had their assignments, and then you went into the game, and then you just couldn't do it. So that's, I think that's a concern. And uh, I, I think, to me, that is, is more of, like, like, not a physical ability issue. Um, it was more of an issue of experience, like being able to go back into your bag of game experience and figure out how to turn the tide on a team that is just, beating you up at the line of scrimmage. And that's what happened with Utah against Oregon State. They got beaten up at the line of scrimmage in the run game. And so, you know, a more experienced team might be able to, to say, wait a second, wait a second, if, we, if, I'm, if I can do this, if I can just do this, then I can, I can stop the bleeding. But they never, you know, they, they never were able to do that. And so with a team that's very talented but at times has you know eight underclassmen mostly freshmen on the field i think that experience is a big factor so the oregon state game was good like in in terms of gaining that experience i think utah utilized that against ucla uh and we'll see how they how they go through the rest of the season but i i yeah i i mean we're only we're only two weeks out from a from a ground attack at Oregon State that was overwhelming. And so has, you, has Utah corrected all those issues in the run game? Maybe, hopefully. Or the, you know, the, the other thing is they're not going to face another running team like, like uh, Oregon State. And maybe UCLA was going to be as close as they were going to get, and they handled that pretty well. So, but, yeah, I still, I still think there are question marks about this Utah football team defensively. That was Frank Adolce. Having some fun with him as he gives us his thoughts on the Utes on their march to the Rose Bowl. Uh, I think it's possible. 
Maybe just uh, the South Division. Uh, probably going to play Oregon. Oregon, number four in a college football playoff. Maybe Oregon goes to the playoff and the Utes go to the Rose Bowl. We shall see how it all unfolds over the course of the next month here in November. All right, equal time for sure. Coming up next, we'll hear from BYU defensive coordinator Eliza Tuiaki. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Aggies take a break from Mountain West Conference play for a trip to New Mexico for a showdown against New Mexico State. Catch all the play-by-play action this Saturday, beginning with the Aggie pregame show at 1. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Good morning. Thanks for joining us, DJ and PK. I'm PK on this Wednesday morning. Got to hear from BYU defensive coordinator Eliza Tuiaki, that BYU defense. I keep wanting to say Utah. He did coach at Utah for a while. But that BYU defense, which was not very good in the first half against Virginia, did very well in the second half against Virginia. Now, this week it doesn't matter. They got Idaho State. Then they got Georgia Southern. Did you see Georgia Southern? Got Clay Helton going to be the coach. So the Cougars going to face Clay Helton. Either way, he would have been the coach of uh, USC, but he got fired. They play them after the bye Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, Clay Helton's going to be with the team. Not sure he's going to do on-field coaching, but he's going to get his staff, staff set up for next season. That's for sure. And so the Utes or the Cougars play Georgia Southern in a couple of weeks. But right now, let's hear from BYU defensive coordinator Eliza Tuiaki. Hey, Eliza. BYU's ranked 15th in the inaugural uh, college football playoff rankings. What's uh, the reaction of yourself and the coaching staff to that? So that uh, just come out? Yeah, it just came out within the oh. hour. Oh, shoot. Um, that's, that's, uh, that's good. <laughs> I'm uh, still, still kind of processing it. I don't know exactly what that means. But, uh, you know, obviously getting any kind of attention for the, for the program and the kids is, is a good thing. I think generally it's a pretty good sign of respect for who you guys have beaten this year and the schedule you've played. Uh, where last year you were 14 in the first one and you were 90 and 0. Um, that's pretty good, I guess is what I'm saying. Right, right. Yeah, no, no doubt. I, I'm, uh, yeah, like I said, I'm still kind of just thinking about what that really means and, and uh, you know, got, got a lot on our mind as far as preparing for this next week and, but uh, no, I'm you know, obviously happy for the program and the, and the kids and the players. Speaking of this week, what's your defensive player injury situation look like? Are you going to be get some guys back? Or are you still going to be really short-handed? Uh, we've we've still got uh, we're still banged up. You know, this uh, this late into the year with uh, not having a bye yet, it's uh, you know guys get dinged up and and you get them back when you can get them back and and. Uh, you know we've got we've got a lot of a lot of guys that are stepping up and they're doing a good job and and playing hard and and uh, sacrificing a lot you know in order for us to to win uh, win these games and so we'll just continue on with with who we've got and the guys that are that are practicing and and uh, when guys get back we'll we'll get them back and keep rolling. How much are walk-ons contributing to the defense this year? Seems like a lot. I know we're going to talk to a couple 
here in a minute. Uh, seems like more than usual even. Yeah, no, the, the, the walk-on program, I mean, here at BYU has been – it's just been a been a proud proud program. I mean, you just go through and and think about. I mean, just off the top of my head, uh, you know, your Chad Lewis's and you know Ziggy Ansah's and um, it was the tight end that played with the Ravens. You know, before I got here, I mean, there's just uh, Ben Cahoon's another one. There's just so many, so many, so many guys through the years of uh, coming and made an impact. Uh, guys that that uh, have always wanted to play at BYU and <clears throat> maybe a little under-recruited and just, just passed by and, and uh, you know, took the, the harder route, which is the walk-on route, and made an impact and, you know, earned scholarships and gone on to seal their legacy and their names or, you know, jerseys and all that stuff are all over the place and they're in videos and the old videos of just a lot of BYU success. And so that'll continue to be the thing. I know uh, Kalani's uh, always been a huge proponent of just getting – getting good quality walk-ons of guys that uh, have earned their way that have um, you know contributed and then obviously just with uh, the way that the walk-ons are being taken care of with the new nil deal i mean it's huge for us to get guys that are that are coming in and and uh contributing it's it's really you know it's almost like getting 100 and 123 kids on scholarship really is what it is and so just the, the quality of player that we're getting just the walk-ons that are they're coming and doing a good job or uh, you know, it's it's not you're not really talking scholarship and walk-ons. You're really talking about just contributors um, for all, throughout the whole roster. Next, we'll take questions from Jake Hatch and then Dave McCann. Yeah, Lisa, just kind of building off that for a moment. Is that a, something you guys have used on the recruiting trail to this point, saying, "Hey, we, we, you may be coming here as a walk-on, but you do have this built bar name, image, and likeness agreement that could help defray the costs." Yep. Yep. For sure. I mean, you know, when you ask somebody to walk on, obviously it's, uh, um, you know, uh, kids, kids, and I, and for right reason equate, um, you know, a scholarship with how badly you want me. And, and sometimes it's not, not always the case. Sometimes it's just the numbers and how they fit. You don't exactly have one. And so talking to kids and trying to get them, convincing them to come, um, you know, there is a lot of value in, in, in a welcome year to, to, to have a career where you're saying you're playing all these big time teams and, you know, what we get them as far as supplements and just gear and the way you travel, even, you know, I, I, I played at a, a lower division where, where we bust to Vegas, you know, that was back in the day. We bust to Vegas from Southern Utah to, to go and travel. And so just, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot more value that's maybe hidden for, for walk-ons, but this built bar deal is uh, just taking it to a new level. And, and I think, I think that's why, um, you look at uh, your roster, 123 players. It's it's no longer just 85 scholarship players, but you're you're getting the, the quality of uh, 123 scholarship ki- uh, kids on the team. Let me venture back to Saturday night for a moment. Uh, Kalani said in post game that you guys went to the locker room and it was your suggestion to go to the rush three drop eight scheme to adjust at halftime. What made you think that would be effective in that game? It was uh, you know it was uh, really. To talk about as as a whole staff. I mean, it was uh, there's a lot of when you're when you're you're playing like that. You know, in the second quarter, and we're trying to find answers and trying not to panic and and trying to find ways to uh, to stop them. It's really just um, what have we practiced? What you know? What did players know? What uh, you know? What what might help out? What what might work? And and it goes around and around as far as just who suggests what. And I may be getting credit for that, but uh, it's you know all, the whole staff uh, as a whole. 
uh, secondary coaches and, you know, linebacker coach, everybody, they're all involved in the decision. And obviously, Kalani, I mean, we lean heavily on him with all his knowledge and, and what he does. And I know he's given me credit for that, but it's, uh, that's, a, that's a staff thing that uh, we all decided and ended up working out for us. All right, that was Eliza Tuiaki, BYU defensive coordinator. Coming up next, we're going to get you the Jazz post game like we do after every game that the Jazz play. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. After a battle against Bronco Mendenhall in Virginia, the Cougars finally get a week off from Power 5 opponents as they welcome in Idaho State to Provo. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 1230 with a postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning. Welcome on in. 97.5, 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK on this Wednesday morning. Jazz with a nice win last night. 119 to 113 over the Sacramento Kings. Give the Kings credit. They battled the Jazz right to the end. Jazz finally pulling away behind the offensive explosion of the backcourt. Donovan Mitchell with 36. Mike Conley with 30. Bogdanovich with 20. Uh, Yeah, Jordan Clarkson can't hit a three to save his life. Jordan, how many three-pointers are you going to miss in a row? Uh, Yeah, a lot. Uh, You remember that comment on Channel 2. Just having fun with that. Clarkson, man, one for 13. Absolutely pathetic. But the good news is... Eventually, he'll start making buckets, and the Jazz are winning. They move to 6-1, and 3-0 and at home, and they beat Sacramento. Now they go on the road for a three-game road trip. Let's get with Jake Scott. He's going to give us the lowdown on what the Jazz had to stay, say after the ball game right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jazz win last night 119-113 over the Sacramento Kings. Big night uh, from uh, the backcourt. Donovan Mitchell, 36 points. He had eight boards, six assists as well. Mike Conley with 30 points. Uh, and uh, Rudy Gobert, 12 points, 20 rebounds, and four block shots. Bogdanovich had a 20. Hassan Whiteside had nine points and 12 boards coming in off the bench. So hard-fought victory for the Jazz, but they get a win over the Sacramento Kings. Let's get to some post-game sound. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. I thought he was really precise with the ball, um, meaning create space, um, you know, hit gaps when they were open. I thought, you know, it, it, no one makes like the right play every time, but he made, he made the right play a lot of times. And, you know, when our team, you know, there's a, a lot to be said about if, if we make some more shots, we have some more assists. So um, I think the more that, you know, the more that we attack and attack the rim, you know, we'll keep generating, you know, opportunities. And I thought, you know, particularly when he was getting pressured, he did a really good job of attacking the rim. And then he also did a good job, you know, allowing our bigs, you know, Rudy Hassan to, to get hits on screens to free himself up for some, you know, some off the dribble threes. But um, really good night for Donovan. He made some really big offensive 
rebounds as well. What's the philosophy on that, I guess? With the- yeah, to be honest with you, that as much as anything just shows, you know, an engagement um, that, that when there's opportunities, we want to be aggressive, you know, and it doesn't matter who it is. If you're quick to the ball, you know, those are the same ones that if you're giving up, um, you know, they really, they're, they're daggers to your defense and we, we want those daggers to be on the offensive end. So, you know, Rudy gets people put bodies on Rudy. They commit one, two to him. So sometimes there's opportunities to get in there and make plays. Is there something Rudy's really doing differently that's allowing him to average you know, 18 rebounds a game this year? You know, we, we've continued to try to evolve to maximize how we use Rudy from a schematic standpoint where, you know, certain things that, you know, maybe were adjustments for games gradually become more and more of, um, a standard defense. You know, I think I've said it before, his ability to, to make multiple plays, you know, he gets back in the play. And, you know, he's so long that if there's something in the vicinity, he's going to get it. The, the challenge for us is not to, um, you know, just expect him to get it because that's when some of those ones that bounce along we don't get. But, you know, obviously, um, you know, that's something that he, he's been he's been dominant in controlling the defense. We, we actually haven't defensive rebounded really well the first few games. Um, and that, that's collective as much as anything. So the numbers jump out, obviously, when he gets 20. Um, you know, and then he did his best Magic Johnson impression at the end of the quarter. <laughs> so. Make a concerted effort to get into the lane, into the basket. Your first 20 points were all points in the paint. I mean, you weren't making your we're, either. Yeah, we're, we're, you know, I, th- I think we, I don't want to stop shooting, you know, because I think the minute you do, you stop that, those are the two you don't take that go in and bump the game open. And I was really, um, I was glad we, we stayed aggressive because I, I do believe if we pass up those shots, as I've said, that, you know, the the percentage or probability of us getting something better goes down. Um, that said, you know, when we do drive, I think one of the things that we need to improve on, um, you know, is, is when we get in the lane and we don't have anything, you know, being able to play off two feet. And, and a lot of times when we've gotten that, we, we have guys on the perimeter that aren't respacing to, to create passing lanes. So there's some things there that, that we can do better that, that help balance the threes. You know, we want to take good ones, um, you know, the ones in transition are generally good ones by definition for us. Um, because again, the defense isn't set. We have a chance to rebound them, um, you know, if everybody's running. But striking a balance there, you know, it's hard to look at a box score. And, you know, JC tonight's going to look and say he didn't make one. Um, but he did get in the paint and make a big bucket. And, you know, the thing about our guys is I think they'll watch the film and, you know, they'll see those opportunities and opportunities to make plays for other people. And that, that's really what we want. Yeah. You know, I think particularly when, when Donovan, you know, is exerting as much energy as he is because, you know, I, you know th- those two guys defensively have really taken it. You know, they, they've taken it, take, taken a step, you know, they've raised their level and I think it becomes even more important for them to feel the game offensively. Um, and you know, th- there's some things that we do that give them the opportunity to, uh, to make those decisions on the fly on the court based on matchups or if one guy's got it going a little bit or another guy's a little tired, 
So, you know, that, that's the definition of a backcourt, you know, and I think, you know, Mike's our point guard, so to speak, but um, Donovan plays the point and, you know, I, I just think of them as a backcourt. Hassan had that moment where he kind of had the big block and then played for the crowd a little bit. How much does his personality kind of just mesh with the team and just help the team? I mean, anytime you have a player that plays with passion, you know, that's it's indicative of the fact that he cares, you know, and, and I think guys, you know, that, that emotion and that energy can feed a team and, you know, whether it's him, you know, making a physical play in the lane, like he did the other night, um, making a block, being excited about a play, everybody, you know, it raises everybody's level. It happened the other night with JC um, against Milwaukee. There was two or three possessions where he just, his intensity defensively was at such a high level and, you know, you, you see everybody's level go up. So, um, you know, anytime you add emotion to competitiveness, you know, that's rocket fuel. Going back to Mike for a second, I guess it's not surprising, but maybe to you, you kind of marvel at the fact that you've got a guy who's been in the league for 14 years that's playing with the wisdom of 14 years, but it looks like, you know, and sometimes he rewinds the clock, it looks like he's 25 again. Well, he's, he's, he's one of those – you know, unique. I don't, I don't know that I've said to him, I, I don't know if the, I'm trying to think of something that he probably wouldn't be good at. Like, I think he'd be a great cornerback. I think he probably could, you know, be a heck of a tennis player. I'm, I, I'm sure he's a good bowler. Um, you, you go down the line. We all know he can golf. Um, you know, you can kind of pick a position on the baseball field, I think. So it's not surprising that he's doing what he's doing. That happens when you, you can switch it too, I suppose. There's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder after his team wins 119 to 113. Let's now get to the players. Let's hear from Mike Conley. No, I think it was one of those games where, um, you know, me and Don had it going. And, and as far as the rest of the team, we just were missing shots we normally make. And, in those moments, you just kind of have to go with uh, what's working. And um, we got into pick and roll situations. I just try to be aggressive. Don tried to be aggressive. Boyan, JC, and um, get to spots where we can make plays. And it's basically what I try to do when, um, you know, Don got the rest a little bit. With you and Don, how do you know, how do you see you know when to kind of take over and then kind of you know, let the other person do their thing? Well, you know, some, me and Don kind of have a nonverbal communication. He looks up at me and he's like, like, hands on his knee tired I'm like all right I'll I'll take the ball for a few possessions and um that's kind of like what we've done over the over the past and tonight was no different I mentioned that you guys have raised your defensive level through these first seven games and I'm curious what you're saying from both you and Donovan on that point well I think you know we've made it a point especially from our perimeters to try to be better you know each game try to um take some from from you know, what we've learned from past seasons and playoffs and, and, and use that to, to get better in each, in each situation. And tonight, um, and basically every night we've played against some quick guards and <clears throat> young guards who get up and down. And um, for us, it's trying to stay in front, trying to make it tough on them and easier on Rudy and Hassan. And hopefully we're, we're getting better at it and, um, you know, make our team defense a little bit better. How has playing with Hassan been so far? Hassan's been great. No, he's been great. He's he brings a different energy. I think you can hear him. Um, his voice kind of echoes throughout the locker room. When he's on the court. Um, guys love him. 
been a great teammate. So uh, I think he's just been perfect for us. <clears throat> Yeah, um, he's quick to let his emotions take over in games and it can be good and bad at sometimes, but mostly good for us. And um, it's something that I think that that, you know, in past seasons, we've needed that uh, a guy that, you know, comes in with a different energy who can change games. He might foul real hard. He might make a mistake here or there, but he's going to. 95% of the time do the right thing. And, and even when he does something that that's, you know, like, you know, like trying to question it or something like that, it's, you know, it gets everybody going. It's still, it's still a good thing. If he gets a tech, it's a good thing. We're going to, we're going to rile the team up a little bit. So um, he's been, he's been really good in that role. I mentioned that he didn't think there was anything you weren't good at. So I'm going to ask, is there anything you're not good at? <laughs> you I'm a, I'm a humble dude, but I guess I can answer that. I have no comment on that. I, don't, <laughs> I have to find that sport. You know, when you're going against some of these young guards that like you were talking about, no, um, I think every night was, you know, blessing for me is as I've gotten older, I had to prepare differently. Um, knowing I'm playing against De'Aaron Fox, you know, Mitchell, uh, Trey Young, you know, Kyle Lowry, all these guys coming up. Um, I prepare mentally and physically different than I did when I was, you know, 21, 22. Um, so it challenges me, you know, it keeps me, keeps me young. It keeps me moving. And, um, man, I want to show that I can still play at a very, very high level in this league. And, um, my teammates have confidence in me, so I'm just going to continue to, to be there for them. And in any way I can, you know, be there. Uh, yeah, he's uh, a little bit more pumped when we play Sac Sacramento than probably any other team. And, you know, he was the last guy in the locker room after the game and you can hear him yelling down the hallway. I don't know if y'all heard him, but um, he was just, you know, let's go. You know, he was really excited. And, um, you know, he, he is special to play against, you know, Sacramento and all the history he's, he's had there and all the time he spent there. So uh, we're happy to get the win uh, for him tonight. There's Mike Conley. Big night for Mike. 11 of 19 shooting 30 points, two assists, and three rebounds. Let's now hear from Hassan Whiteside. Your personality on the court is contagious. Like in certain plays, you get fired up. Other guys get fired up, or you get angry about something. They get angry about that too. Um. Yeah. Now I think about it. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I never thought about it, but um. You're probably right. Yeah. So. Yeah. I guess. I think so. But you're not thinking about it, like, oh, I'm gonna fire the team up. It's like you personally in the moment. You're like reacting to things. Yeah. Like I like think about it. It was getting kind of fired up. Like when we was getting in, then we got some stops. That was a great game. You know. Um. Cause it started getting real close at the end, you know, and uh, we got some key stops. You know, we made some big plays, you know, and I think that really shows guts. We're under the come back finger rag too. Yeah, I like that. You know, I <laughs> they took like three three of them. They called like fouls on the last three, and I had to. And, and HB's my guy, so um, 
those guys is like that locker room, them guys, I, 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 those would be like lifetime friends, you know, and, um, Harrison Barnes is one of my favorite, favorite teammates all the time. And, um, and just blocking him, you know, I'm going I'm to send him a text and just mess with him. I love it. Given that, do you want to win that game more or like where does it stack up? Uh, it's just like, I don't, I, you always want to win all the games, you know, but it's, it's different when you play your friends, you know, guys that you play with and, um, you know, you talking a little trash out there. And um, for me, I want to win every game, but, you know, I just know them guys. I know their personalities, you know, um, so it, it's even more funny. Um, obviously you spent the first couple of years in the league in Sacramento and then last year as well. Mm-hmm. Like, and Conley was there saying that it seems like you kind of get a little bit more fired up a little more emotional when you play Sacramento. Um, what is it about that place in your career that's special that kind of gets you up a little bit more maybe when you, when you play against them? Um, you know, I, I always like hate that, um, you know, I missed so much time in Sacramento. Even my, my rookie year, I had torn my own patella tendon and then I had a really bad ankle sprain that put me out pretty much for the whole season. And then last year, um, I had COVID, so I had missed and it was already a short season and just going through up and down injuries, you know. Um, so it, it was, it was, I never felt like I actually got the, show what I can do in Sacramento. I, that's always one of them places where I, I always felt like I never got to show Hassan Whiteside there. And I, I feel like I got to show it in Miami and Portland, and but I never did in Sacramento. You've been in the league a while, and you've seen Mike Conley yeah. from Great and Grand Days. And yeah. When, on a night like tonight, when you're watching what he's doing out there, mm-hmm. I mean, is it hard to believe that – He's been in the league 14 years and he's still up doing the same. Yeah, you know, um, I was on I was on a training camp trying to make the training camp roster when he was on the Grizzlies. So um, you know, I got to see I got to see and um meet Mike back in 2013. And um and you know, he he's one of them guys that unless you like if you're a casual NBA fan 20 years from now, you not you might not know who he is, but people that really know basketball are gonna be like, nah, Mike Conley was like one of the most underrated basketball players of all time, especially in my eyes. And uh, me and Rudy Gay, we talk about it all the time. Yeah, yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, I tell him I blocked the shot a couple of times. You know, he might not want to admit to that, but, you know. There's Hassan Whiteside going up against his old team last night. He had nine points, 12 rebounds. He also added a block shot. Let's wrap up the player sound with Donovan Mitchell. Offensive end, being able to find guys, do what I do, and, you know, being able to, to hit shots that I've missed in previous games. I think that's for starters. I couldn't hit a catch and shoot shot. I guess that makes sense for the life of me. So just being able to continue, just take the shots I've been continuously taking in the previous games and now they're starting to go in a little bit, but just being able to do that, find guys, but defensively just competing, making it tough on guys. And that's really where I'm putting a lot of, you know, focus, you know, is being able to do that, execute. And it's not even necessarily just on ball, being in a stance, being ready, being the help side, getting on on the glass, making it, you know, just tough on my matchup, whoever it may be. So I'm trying to be a leader in, in every facet uh, of the game. Can you tell us what happened at the end of the second quarter? Yeah, I just rolled it. And, you know, it's like a normal thing if you roll it. But I rolled my ankle. It's not because of, you know, what happened last year, although it was the same foot, you know, and it was just like in a moment where I was frustrated. I didn't get a call. And it's like, I feel like I got hit and feel like I rolled it again. There was just so much going on. And then I was like, man, this, you know, kind of hurts. So I ran to the back just to make sure I was okay, um, as opposed to sitting there and doing it in front of everybody. 
I referred to you and like that's like a true backcourt. For you, just what does it mean to have another guy who also is a backcourt who can take that scoring punch off when you kind of your hands on your knees, like Mike said? Uh, yeah, um, you know, being able just to have a guy who who throws the game, thinks the game, understands things. You know, be, even just being a decoy. You know, if you're if you're tired and kind of being in the action, but making sure it's for he's able to get downhill and vice versa. Um, just being able to kind of play off each other in that way, and that just comes with reps and being able to do it in games and being in situations like like this, where I can't tell you how many times we've been in, you know, close games and you know games where shots are in form of being able to execute, you know, being able to do that and just thinking the game, you know, and it helps when you have a 15 year veteran, you know, to say here you you got it and I'll I'll stand out the way. Imagine the shots not falling as much this season. Has the ball played any role in that? I was waiting for one of y'all to ask this. Um, <laughs> honestly, I didn't think about it. You know, I, I really haven't. You know, I think for me, I'm getting looks that I, I and I'm not going to sit here and say because I'm shooting whatever percent that it's it's the ball. You know, that's not who I am, and I'll figure it out. I'm continuing to get better and better um, as the season progresses. Um, we, we've had a long year as a as a league. You know, like I think that's people seem to ignore that, but you know, it, it is what it is. And guys, you see, we're, we're starting to progress and get better. But I can't say, oh, you know, it's because of the ball. It's different. I'm not going to lie to you. It's, it's a different feel, different texture. But I've been using it all summer, so I can't. You know, I've been making shots all summer, so I can't say now that I'm missing that it's that. How is it different? I think the feel, you know, the, the feel of it for sure for me is just the, the, the biggest thing. But like I said, you know, you take enough reps. You know, I had to change the basketball from college to the NBA my first year. Like, I've, it's, it's basketball, you know, and you figure it out as, as the game goes. But, you know, it's, it's definitely a different feel than the, uh, than the uh, Spalding, Spalding one. What's the process when you go back into the tunnel? You just see the trainer move around a little yeah, bit? Yeah, to make sure I'm okay. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing, to make sure it's not – because you, you, you have to balance adrenaline, you know, versus, like, serious – like, the seriousness of it. You know, you have to make sure. So, kind of being able to – fortunately, but unfortunately, I've had experience with this ankle, so I try – I know how to separate, you know, that and being able to be like, okay, like, I'm good. It's not like – not just get me back out there. You know what I mean? And being able to sit there. That's why I waited the whole half. You know, that way I could – have a proper thought process as opposed to just running back out there and either doing it again or just kind of just being out there just to be out there. You have raised your defensive level a little bit this year. I mean, have you, are you feeling that physically yet or not? Um, no, I mean, like I said, uh, the beginning of the year, I put myself in continuously rigorous situations over the summer so I can be able to do this. You know, I think now it's more of a mindset. You know, I think I've been able to do this and capable, you know, throughout my career. I think more, it's more of a mindset, you know, more of a attention to detail more than anything because, you know, it's not necessarily always about effort. You know, you think defense is like, oh, it's a lot of work back and forth. But a lot of it is just putting yourself in situations where you're not playing catch-up, you know. Also goes in the film work, you know, knowing the play is coming before it gets there as opposed to just being surprised um, kind of before every game, you know, memorizing, you know, each, each group and his fortune is only 30 teams. So you get to know the plays over and over again. So you're able to understand where guys are going to be, where guys want to be. So you put yourselves in situations that make it easier as opposed to you just trying to figure out how to, oh man, I'm reacting to them as a, you're in that situation and it makes it easier for yourself. What is, what is the level of fun that this can pass around this now to make Hassan's? <laughs> that man, <laughs> I, I love Hassan, man. He's, 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 uh, He's just like George, you know, George always never had a bad day, you know, never had a bad day. And shout out to George. He hooped the other night and I was happy for him to play well. Uh, but Hassan's the same way. He brings that same energy, same, same, just every day. I mean, he's on the video game all the time. So we play and he's the same dude Monday through Sunday, you know, and I think that's 
outside of his abilities on the floor, which we've seen, you know, he's a plus whatever when he's out there. Like we, we see that and that's all in the stats, but you know, you look at just him as, as, as going out there and just saying that he sees this, he sees that he knows the game, but he's also fun, you know, and it, create, it continues to have that vibe because there are times when the game doesn't get fun, you know, when the season isn't fun, you know, it's, it's, it's tiring. It's, it's, it's rigorous. But when you have a guy like that in the locker room, it keeps everything light, continues to have a positive mindset and makes jokes about things that, you know, necessarily, you know, may, may get on your nerves. Like, man, like, you know, it's, it's, we're not getting foul calls, you know, but he'll come in and be like, man, like, we ain't getting, you know, and everybody's last, and then we get over and move on to the next thing. You need a guy like that in the locker room, and it's great to have him uh, on the team. Donovan Mitchell, huge night, 36 points, six assists, eight rebounds from Donovan. Uh, the Jazz uh, now have the night off. They're back in action tomorrow night. They're on the road in Atlanta tra- taking on Trey Young and the Hawks. A game will tip off at 5.30. Pre-game coverage begins at 4.30. All right, that's the Jazz postgame coming up next. Well, of course, we'll discuss that big win and what's trending. We've got a World Series winner for sure. Also, did you see who the Jets hired on their staff? Wow. BYU quarterback connection running deep, that's for sure. College football playoff is out. Cougars get respect. Cincinnati does it, does not get respect. We'll hit all of that in what's trending and throughout the morning. Stay with us. 7 o'clock hours coming up, 97.5-1280 The Zone. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Conley works the far side for a fading back mid-range jumper. No good. Offensive rebound Donovan. He gets reset for a deep, deep, deep three and tickles the twine. Off the bounce three. Swirls out. Flying in for the rebound zone. He got it. What a rebound by Royce. His feet go up and now come back down and into play. What an effort. High pick and roll Donovan with Rudy. Step back three for Donovan. Pow! Donovan is now guarded by Davion Mitchell. Head fakes, drives, spins, off balance floater. Got it. Nifty shot. Finds Clarkson. Rotates to Pascal. Hard left hand drive. Kicks to Ingles. Back to Donovan in the corner. Three ball off. Ball movement is good. And Donovan's got 31. Ring the bell. There you go. Donovan had 31 finish with 36. Was it Conley with 30? And the Jazz. I don't want to say they roll because I didn't think they did roll. I think Sacramento, as we were talking about yesterday, is a greatly improved team. But the Jazz still get it done. 119 to 113. That's all that matters. Rudy Gobert continues to dominate the boards with 20. Hassan Whiteside providing a little energy, a little uh, emotion, playing well. Now, that was against his former team, so we've seen that happen a time or two over the years, I think. You could say that for sure. But he's playing well, playing better than what they got last year. I know everybody loves favors, but I only love them if they're playing well. Um, These guys are basketball players. They're not my friends. So uh, I really don't care about uh, sentimentality. I care about winning. And they're winning. They're doing that. Now they get ready to go out on a three-game road trip with the Floridas, and they've got Atlanta on Tuesday, or Thursday, I should say, today. Yesterday was Tuesday. That's tomorrow, so they'll be leaving today. Joe Ingles is supposed to join us sometime after 8.30 as they get ready to leave. I think they're taking off around noonish to head down to Atlanta. A tough little road trip coming up. Uh 
Uh, we have just been told that it is 9.05 this morning, so we'll look forward to that with Joe and his weekly visit. He is always on time. You can count on Joe doing what he needs to do to rearrange his schedule, and obviously can't do it tomorrow because they'll be practicing and all that stuff, getting ready for the Hawks. So we look forward to Joe here, what, in about two hours. Join us then. 5.30 tip-off tomorrow. Look forward to the Jazz, see what they can do on this three-game road trip as we're starting to not get into the heart of the season. We're starting to get going and see if they can continue, and I have no doubt that they can. So that's it with the Jazz. We'll get more into that as the morning progresses right here on 97.5, 1280 Zone. Hashtag NBA. George Hill, top of the arc now for the Bucks. He's defended tightly on the outside by Hayes. Sends to a wide-open Giannis. They dared him to shoot that three, and he made him pay. Jimmy sizing it up. 11 seconds on the shot clock. Kicks it back out to Lowry for three. Right in Luka's face. Pushes ahead to Hardaway. Met by Lowry. Across the way to Luka. Will shoot the three. Got it. Braun with the basketball. Head down. Head up. Here he goes. Left hand. Got it. LeBron James in charge against the 1-6 Houston Rockets. Way to go, LeBron James. Be in charge and need to go right down to the end to beat the almost winless Houston Rockets. LeBron's still sensational. 30 points, 10 assists, no doubt about that. Westbrook, 27. Anthony Davis had his. But Westbrook, I'd have to look and see what the box scores have been in the eight games. I think the Lakers are 5-3. and three. Uh, what he has done, if this, I think it was just off the top of my head looking at the box scores, which I try to look at every single one of them when these teams play, that that might be his best scoring game. Now, he still was, what, over, over four, I think, from three, which is, uh, you know, going to be telling in the postseason, but we got a long way before we get there. Suns needed a late rally to beat the Pelicans. Pelicans aren't very good. Chris Paul, 18 assists, moves third place all time. Assist, what's he behind our hero Stockton and who's second? Still Mark Jackson? It's, it's Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd. Okay, there you go. I'm not a big uh don't know the numbers for basketball, but I know who won. And that's what matters. And I appreciate Chris Paul being this thirty seven, what, turning thirty eight, still being able to play at such a high level. I think it's really cool that these guys are taking care of themselves and putting in the time. We see it with LeBron. You know, you look at his body, and you can't really tell any difference from what uh, he'll be. Thir- he'll be 38 too in in two months. Uh, if anything, he's in better shape uh, at this age. And I think it takes a literal lifetime commitment. Every what I mean by that is every day you have to be aware of it. So it's cool to see that these guys take this very seriously and are trying to extend this as long as they possibly can. And Chris Paul is still playing at a high level. The Heat beat the Mavs. Jazz get the heat on this road trip. Remember, Kyle Lowry is now with the heat coming over from Toronto. And the Bucks get a win still without most of their guys. But they have Yanni as he goes for 28-8 boards and 9 assists over the hapless Pistons. I think they're like 1-6. And the ben, so- ben Simmons saga continues. As the saw this yesterday, the Sex Sixers are frustrated that Simmons doesn't want to uh, receive some assistance to address the mental readiness to play. It just seems like that is an ongoing saga that needs to end because it's not going to end well for Philadelphia. So 
try to find a way to cut your losses. All right, that's your NBA right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Hashtag NFL. I enjoy working with Melvin. Uh, it just didn't work out the way we envisioned, the way he envisioned, and and sometimes that happens in free agency. And that's really, you know, culturally why we build our team primarily through the draft. Steelers coach Mike Tomlin building their team primarily through the draft, and it has worked. NFL j- trade deadline. That seems early. I guess we're already halfway through. There's really no uh, specific halfway through. I think today literally is halfway through if you want to go the season. Uh, you can't go games anymore with the odd number of games. So we're heading into week nine, right? And the trade deadline. So we know that Vaughn Miller went. They had some deals around the league. Uh, Deshaun Watson was not traded, obviously. Uh, still got the lawsuits. Uh, Miami's owner, Stephen Ross, had contingencies that needed to be met uh, for any deal. And the, the final decision was made not to move forward. So we'll see what happens there. Now, I guess the biggest news was uh, certainly the most tragic. Henry Ruggs III, a speedster out of Alabama with the Raiders, uh, was picked up, uh, was involved in a vehicle crash, and a woman died right there on Rainbow, which is just west of the Strip a little bit, a mile or two. Uh, And uh, he said that... What are they? They could tell he was impaired, I guess, or allegedly. He, he remained at the scenes, had yeah. signs of impairment, was taken yeah. to the hospital, and then taken to jail. Right. And he faces uh, multiple felony charges because there's a uh, death involved, reckless driving. Uh, going to have his court appearance. Now, I don't want to convict anybody. I think we have to be very, very careful on that, no matter what we think. Let the legal process play out. But a woman died. <laughs> I mean, that's when you get the DUIs. And charges thereof, uh, you know, you hope that nobody is injured. And I guess that makes it less serious. Yeah, I, obviously, it's more serious when somebody dies, but I don't, I'm uncomfortable saying less serious. But when there's a death involved, I mean, that's the ultimate tragedy. And the Raiders released him. He's only 22 years old, right? Yeah, what was he like? The what they, they, they picked him in the first round, didn't they? Was the it 12? 12 overall pick. Yeah. And he is a speedster. I don't. I don't think he. Pl- he didn't play high school football. I think until like he was a junior. But he's got that four-two speed. And uh, this is a tragic situation, man. When will we learn? When will we get a handle on this? Uh, I don't have any answers to it. I just know this is awful. Okay, there you go. Let's move on. Hashtag college football. College friggin' football. Well, the poll came out, the college football poll. Oh, man. BYU at 15. I think that's a tremendous amount of respect shown the Cougars at 15. A two-game losing streak, and they're still considered to be in the top 15. That's great. No doubt about it. But then you got Cincinnati sitting there at 6. They beat Notre Dame. Notre Dame's 10th, but that wasn't enough. Uh, Oregon gets in there at four. I was surprised by that. Uh, House State, fifth. Uh, and Cincinnati, sixth. That's at eight and oh. I, I mean, I'm a Pac 12 homer, but I think I would have put Cincinnati there. I guess beating Ohio State on the road is better than beating 
um, Notre Dame on the road and then listening to the folks talk about it is that Oregon gets credit for something they didn't have. And what I mean by that is Thibodeau didn't play. The stud, rush, defensive end dude terrorized the Utes as a freshman two years back. And because he wasn't there, somehow that win was even more impressive. I mean, they won the game. What was he going to do? Uh, But they get credit because he didn't play. And that bumps them up. And this seems baffling. To me, this is the uh, Oresco of the uh, AAC. This is the Power 5 Invitational. Well, I'll even narrow it down more. It is the SEC Invitational. And then we'll let two other teams in, likely to be Ohio State and somebody else. I mean, Alabama at 7-1. They lose to AM, which is 14. But yeah. seems like Cincinnati should have been in there. But there's still plenty of time, but I don't hold any hope for Cincinnati. Maybe in a couple years when they go into the Big 12. Although they're not scheduled. Uh, that hasn't been set yet. So maybe it'll be 2024. So it might be even longer than that. Man, that seems excruciating long. Excruciatingly long. That's like, uh, you know, you're going to have a four-year engagement, but you're religious, so you don't have any hanky-panky. Come on. How are you supposed to hold out? Right? Isn't that the way it goes? How long was your engagement? Six weeks? <laughs> yeah, no. How long? You're engaged for five months? Five months. Well, not that long. Four Thought months. about sports a lot, huh? Yes. Lots of sports. <laughs> I was working with you two. <laughs> keep you occupied. <laughs> oh, brother. I, you know, anything that is judge where judges get involved, it sort of turns me off. I don't know what else to say. So we'll see. Georgia, Alabama, two SECs. Michigan State, I'm fine. Big win. They're 8-0. and zero. Beat Michigan. Great game. They said that was the most watched game of the season, right? So a lot of folks saw it. I watched as much of it as I could flicking around Saturday morning. And yeah, so like, no problem there. But we'll see what happens. And, and maybe Oregon in the end. If Oregon runs the table, I think I would potentially think differently. Because right now the Utes are not ranked. But the Utes are, in my mind, minimally, minimally a top 20 team. Because you have to look at it the way... If Oregon is going to get credit for Thibodeau didn't play, then I got to give the Utes credit for them screwing up and not starting rising, despite what I told them months earlier, that they should have started him. And they've only had the one loss since he's been playing. So my point is, if Oregon beats Utah twice and does finish with only one defeat, those are two really good wins, and one of which would be here up the street at Rice-Eccles in, uh, what, uh, two weeks? And that's uh, two and a half weeks. That's very, very impressive as far as I'm concerned. So if Oregon is able to pull that off, plus they would beat Oregon State. Oregon State's better this year. It's a rival game, so that adds more intrigue and emotion and all that stuff into it. So right now I'm surprised that they're in. But maybe when we get to December, if they're still sitting there with only one loss, that's a whole other ball game. So we'll see how that plays out. Clay Helton's got a new job. 
He's going to go to Georgia Southern, which BYU plays. They play out of state this week, and then there's a bye. Then they go to Georgia Southern. Now, he'll be the coach, but I don't know if he's going to be on the sidelines, right? It sounds like and, he's just going to be there starting yeah, to get work on recruiting yeah, and putting his staff together. Right, get going. They've hired him, so I don't know that he's going to be the day-to-day guy, which is it's interesting that he got fired uh, way back when and gets another job at the end of this before the season's over. But that's where we're going with college football because it used to be unheard of that you fired guys in the middle of the season. But the SE, uh, the uh, Big 12 done it twice with Matt Wells, our guy at Texas Tech, and Gary Patterson. And Lincoln Kyle Whittingham talked about that on Monday. And Lincoln Riley, uh, quote, to see two guys out in midseason like that, one with a winning record, which was Texas Tech, and one undoubtedly the greatest coach in the history of the school. Seeing Gary Patterson go out in the middle of the season, it's just, I don't know what to think of it, man. I was sick when I heard the news, to be completely honest. I know it's a tough business. Our jobs are scrutinized, and we're big boys, and can live with big boy decisions. But, man, what he did at that place to not even finish the year, I don't know. Dot, dot, dot. Man, it ain't right. I agree. It's not. I mean, simple. Well said by Lincoln Riley. And coaches, they want to beat each other's brains out in recruiting and in the games. But when one gets low, gets let go, they rally around their own. We've seen it a million times. I agree with them. All right, that's your college football, 97.5, 12 of the zone. Hashtag Major League Baseball. He attacks and smokes one to deep left. This one's going super sunny. That is out of the ballpark. Whoa! Over the train tracks, it's 3-0 Atlanta. And Jorge Soler lands the first punch here in the top of the third inning. This is struck well to deep center field. Sprinting back is Siri. Spins around. That one is gone. And right on cue, Freddie Freeman with his fifth home run this postseason. And the Braves now lead it 7 to nothing. The 0-2. Left side, Swanson to first. The Braves! Braves! The Braves did win it all, 7-0. Not so much drama. George Soler took the uh, drama out of it early. A.K.A. Jorge Soler. <laughs> George Soler. <laughs> it literally sounds like a solar company. Yeah. Now, he had uh, he had the COVID earlier, right? Or was on the, uh, what do you call it, the uh, inactive list because of it? Correct. Because uh, he wasn't there early in the postseason, but he's certainly there with this series, uh, in the World Series, named MVP. First time in 26 years for the Atlanta Braves, a team that was under 500 in August. Make a great run. Congratulations to them. I would have loved to see the seventh game, but six is still pretty good. And now what does Houston do? Dusty Baker, the manager, he's in his mid-70s, doesn't have a contract for next season, not sure what's going to happen. Freddie Freeman's a free agent. So baseball for the regular season is over. Now we'll get to the award stuff in the next few weeks. And there you go. Baseball, we got five months before the season starts. I'm going to miss you. I miss you every year when you go because I watch a lot of it. I watch MLB Network, have fun with it on summer nights, summer afternoons, day games and all. It's in my heart. It will forever be in my heart. And I'm always sad when it's over, but it is over for now. And we'll see you in 2022. Baseball, vial con Dios. Hashtag RSL. Soccer boy is not here today. He's taking care of some biz. But the ball club, first pitch tonight at 8.30 ESPN 2. 
They're going to honor one of the mainstays of the franchise. I think they got two mainstays. Uh, Beckerman being one, and then that goalie. What was that goalie's name again? Nick Ramondo. Yeah, old Nick Ramondo, right? The two of them were there. Faces of the franchise for so many years, right? And they're obviously very good players. And this is the next-to-last regular season match. And it gets uh, Portland, the tough Portland Timbers. So there you go on RSLs. They try to make their playoff push. Let me tell you that What Is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There is no job too big or too small. You can get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. You can call them. Their phone number at Shamrock Plumbing is 801-295-1690. 295-1690. That is Shamrock Plumbing. Joining us now is our man, Andrew. Andrew, I used to see you a lot and talk to you, but since you've been doing it on the phone, I haven't been able to talk to you. DJ does it, but he's not here today. So, Andrew, good morning. How the heck are you? I am doing well. How are you, PK? <laughs> Very well. Now, for those of uh, folks out there, men who have the ED issue, maybe they're not doing as well as they should. Why don't you tell us what Wasatch Clinic can do for them to make them feel a little bit better? Well, we are doing a lot for men if you're struggling in the bedroom. And this could be severe erectile dysfunction, or it could just be that you want to improve performance. We have two types of technology, acoustic wave therapy. Uh, We uh, use these pressure waves that essentially open up and regrow blood vessels. We have 50 clinical studies now showing this is basically the future of treating the problem. There's no pills. There's no chemicals, no side effects. We've helped so many men turn back the clock in the bedroom and get that relationship and intimacy back on track. Very good. Yeah, that's very, very important. And usually when you come on, you got some special offers for our listeners. And I know that's the case. Tell us about it. Yes. If you're ready uh, to treat the root cause problem of your erectile dysfunction, regain your love life, and get rid of the pills, those are important things, give us a call this morning. We do believe in delivering a lot of value. Uh, You'll meet with our doctor either at the Murray or St. George Clinic. He'll do a blood flow ultrasound, an assessment, exam. It's all free. You get the gift that produces immediate results in the bedroom. Uh, That's worth the trip, guys. And here's something pretty cool. Blood work and testosterone is free today as well if you feel like you have a need for that. Oh, really good, Andrew. So, guys, here's your opportunity to put a stop to your ED and also some other stuff that they got going. If you call today, call Wasatch Medical Clinic right now to claim the offer that Andrew is talking about. Wasatch Medical Clinic, 801-901-8000. Easy to remember, 801-901-8000. I'll repeat it one more time, 801-901-8000. Andrew, thank you. Thanks, PK. All right, that's Andrew from Wasatch Medical Clinic. Jump on that. One of the things that we didn't talk about in uh, What's Going On, uh, What's Trending, I guess it's called. I like What's Going On, but What's Trending is just as well, is uh, the Jets. They got a new hire. We got to get to that. How about that? That was awesome. And we got a quarterback expert going to join us, Riley Jensen is going to join us in the very next segment. Also, I already spoke about Joe Ingles coming on in two hours. And at 8 o'clock, guy that I recognize as 
the latter day Mr. Brave. Now, certainly Hank Aaron is the uh, overall Mr. Brave for sure. But Dale Murphy has been a mainstay or was a mainstay and a very recognizable name in our community, but also for the Braves, obviously a Braves legend. He's going to join us in about, oh, at the top of the hour, 8.05. So stay with us. We got a ton to talk about this morning. Excited to be here. Thanks for listening. 97.5, 12 the zone. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. After a battle against Bronco Mendenhall in Virginia, the Cougars finally get a week off from Power 5 opponents as they welcome in Idaho State to Provo. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 1230 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hot takes or toast? See, it was like hot cakes or toast. That was my creation. I thought it was very clever. And hot takes or toast is brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. You're losing your hair? Well, it's 2021 and you don't have to. Come on. UFP Hair Restoration offers a large range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR, H-A-I-R, or you can call 801-960-3137, 960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment or visit utahhairmd.com. All right. Joining us now, Riley Jensen, noted quarterback expert, noted mental health performance coach, a man of many talents, and he is graciously offered to come in because DJ's off today to sit in. And Riley, first of all, thanks one whole heck of a lot for doing this. No, I, I love coming in and, and, and bantering with you. It's, it's maybe my favorite thing to do. Well, you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> What time is it? <laughs> We're not even one minute into the show, Jake. Not even one minute in the show. He's already called me an idiot. You got to set the tone, man. You just can't be messing around. You got to got to get the uh, the community right there, ready to go. <laughs> a lot of stuff to talk about with football, and you obviously can talk basketball, too. You're a lifelong Utah, and you know all about the jazz, and I know you work for them, do some mental performance stuff. Uh, with their employees anyway, and so uh, you got your, as I say, your hand in a lot of different areas in that regard. Uh, and you've also been a quarterback coach for many years at the local level, uh, for sure, about that. And so I found it very interesting, found it very interesting when I saw yesterday that the Jets are hiring John Beck. And obviously he's been working down there in uh, Huntington Beach with – Basically, a who's who list of guys at the college level and some guys at the pro level. What is it? What's it called? QB, QB Edge. QB Edge. Is that what it's called? Yeah. And so, and I, and I covered him. I was working for the newspaper at the time, so I covered him in his entire career. And I always thought he was a deep thinker, cerebral guy, analytical, analyzed things. His intelligence level was off the charts for sure. 
put together a big time. That's what you tell season. people about me too, right? Oh well, <laughs> it doesn't need to be said. <laughs> Wait, now I'm confused. Am I an idiot or no. am I? I, I don't well, know. you're an idiot generally speaking. But quarterbacking, <laughs> this is something that you've been doing. You played the position, obviously, but you've coached the position from a technical standpoint. Then you combine that with the mental performance aspect, which I think is makes you imminently qualified to talk about this because you have the just the playing stuff that went on you did it and you you coach it but then you add the mental aspect which quarterbacking mental aspect is very important also so you got all this stuff here and Zach has got the injury so he's off a few weeks I heard the Jets coach talk about it they want John Beck in the building. They already have an OC and a quarterback coach, but now they want John in the building. I just found the whole thing fascinating and wanted to get your take on it. Yeah, I, I look, I I think this this whole situation with John Beck has been interesting from the beginning. Now the one thing that I will say about so let's just let's just back up just a little bit to the Zach Wilson. Whoever whoever's coaching Zach Wilson right now on like the decisions that he's making, the way that he's interacting with teammates. And and I think a lot of this is just him and and he's matured on his own and, and kind of come into his own. But I think he's doing a fantastic job in a really, really tough situation. I mean when you look at him cheering on uh, you know the other quarterback for having a big game last week that shows a, a certain amount of confidence. And, and and I'll be honest with you, I've met a lot of quarterbacks over the years. It's a paranoid bunch. I was a little bit paranoid when I played. I didn't want to come out. I mean, I, I played with concussions. I played with injuries that maybe I shouldn't have played with. Because I was worried if the next guy came in and and did anything good, the quarterback position is a position where people where coaches always go, well, that really provided us a spark. Uh, but coach, he was nine for thirty. Yeah, but he had a couple of he had a couple of good runs, you know, and that really sparked the team. And so you, so I really like the way Zach Wilson is interacting with his teammates and doing those things, but. Here's where I think this is an interesting, like you said, number one, there's already an offensive coordinator. There's already a quarterback coach. How How is John Beck going to interact with those guys? I know they're bringing him in because Zach trusts John Beck. And there's there's a wealth of knowledge that John Beck's going to be able to bring to the, to the table just for Zach. It's almost like having a veteran quarterback on staff because John played in the NFL. John played in situations where... It's a really bad team, and they're just throwing you out there to the wolves. <laughs> With the Miami Dolphins, I know. I've, oh, talked, yeah, 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 yeah. I've talked to John Beck a couple of times where he's like, you know, the tough part about the NFL is they're like, yeah, we don't have this guy, this guy. And, hey, man, we got to go out there, and we, we got to show well, and, and we got to try and win this game. And he's like, dude, I don't have this receiver. I don't have this tight end. Two of our linemen are out, and we're just going to throw me out there, and then that's how I'm going to be graded. Right, and so I think he can explain some of those things, and I think he has talked to Zach quite a bit about those different things. But here's where I think the next level is: is I think John has always been a really, really good tactician, and I think he's good for Zach mentally. What will be good is to have somebody that you trust that can go through the offensive game plan or look at what the defenses are doing and just kind of help you to feel confident about what you're doing each week. But 
as far as like the continuity goes, and as far, I hope John Beck knows this offensive coordinator. I hope John Beck knows this quarterback coach. I know that he knows Zach Wilson, but man, this is throwing another level and another element to this that I, I think could be confusing. And then I think from the thirty thousand foot level, this is a little bit this is a little bit of a bad move for Zach. I know the Jets are just trying to do everything they can to make Zach and, and help Zach to play to the best that he can. But you don't want to get labeled as a guy that needed somebody to come in. Right? Like you don't you don't want to be this guy that's like, oh yeah, we just I mean we brought in his fourth grade English teacher <laughs> to tutor him at school. You, you just don't want to be because he really trusts him, and and it, and so I just think the optics aren't very good for Zach. Not necessarily that it's a bad move by the Jets. Not necessarily that it's a bad move at all. I just don't like the optics. You don't ever want to be that guy that like other teams are going. Hey, is our mom and dad coming in too? Are they going to live with you so that you can feel comfortable in New York? Like. You don't want that optic, and I'm not saying that that's the way Zach is or that that's what Zach needs. I'm just saying that that optic can be there. Who do you think approached whom on this? Ooh. I think probably the Jets. I, well, no, this is how I think it went down. I think the Jets said, hey, is there is there anything that we can do to help you? Like, what what else can we do to help you? And I, it probably came up in conversation that Zach feels comfortable with him. Well, what if we brought him on? Well, would you do that? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm wondering, you have a first-time head coach, what's his name, Salah, and uh, LaFleur, right, is the coordinator, and he's a first-time coordinator. So you got a lot of rookies there combined, most importantly, two things, a crappy team and a rookie quarterback. Uh, so in terms of all that, they don't have a lot of experience in their current jobs, uh, which, which is fine. You know, you, you, it's not to say they don't deserve the jobs because it's not like they were just standing around and got plucked in there to do that. They've earned and worked the opportunities to be where they are, and the Jets selected them, so let's, you know, let's see what they can do. Uh, so I'm wondering how much that played into it. If, if that's a situation where the Jets are saying, uh, we got guys who know football, but nobody knows everything, and so maybe another set of eyes, a specialist. So it's like they they do that in like in baseball and spring training. And I know you got a baseball background. They'll bring in a base running expert, right? You know, and they'll and they'll work on rounding the base, uh, reading pitchers to get an edge, secondary lead, blah blah blah. So they do have specialists at, at times, and they used to bring in Hornacek here. Right. To try to help Karolinko. He would come in. Well, even Carl Malone came yeah. work with big guys yeah. for a bit. Right. Like, so they, they they do have. So it's not it's not unheard of, but I don't know that I've ever seen it during the season like this. And so, in a sense, to me, and there's a lot of different ways you can look at it, but in a sense, to me, it's looking like okay, we don't have all the answers. This guy can help, and in the final analysis, if we're winning games. Nothing else matters. The ingredients don't matter as long as on Sunday we're coming away with a victory. And so maybe that's the that's the way to think of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm interested to know what, what his title even is. is it, what is he, quarterback specialist? We have a quarterback's coach, but we have a quarterback specialist. 
I mean, I don't even know what his role is, and I don't even know, like, who does John Beck answer to? Does he answer to Zach? Does he answer to the coaches? Like, how does this work? I think there's a lot of logistics to this that are that are really, really interesting. But I, I'm interested to see what what happens here. I I think John Beck obviously is super capable, and and it's not like he can't handle this situation. You know, it's like I'm looking at some of the quotes. You know, he he went to see John, and I was like, well, why not just bring him here? Sailor said. So I guess maybe Zach went during a bye week and went to see John Beck and talked to him. Now, did he drive from Jersey all the way to California? Yeah, that he was a drove, big thing last year. He drove <laughs> with that forty million dollar contract. He took a horse. <laughs> he took a horse from New York. Maybe to California. train. Maybe train. Train. Yeah. Train. Amtrak. Amtrak. Because then he could still study the playbook. Yeah. Well, you know. I mean, last year, gosh, it was just legendary. The the trips uphill both ways to uh, go see John and then what was he doing uh, was he Ubering or delivering food to make a Uber Eats some yeah. some extra cash on the side he was showing up to people and nobody knew who he was their doorsteps down there in uh, Orange County so uh, that became <laughs> legendary to where it became obnoxious <laughs> I'm look, getting look. a sense that you think it's maybe a little sign of weakness though no, I, I, I don't think it's a sign of weakness. I think that, but I do think that your perception, like how people perceive you is You're important. a baby? How your teammates perceive you, how- You're not yeah, a tough guy? Yeah, like, dude, like, you can't, like, you have to have a specialist? I don't get a specialist. I'm a, I'm a middle linebacker. I'm, I'm, where's my specialist? Where's Ray Lewis, man? Yeah, like, can I have Ray Lewis just hanging out with me every day, like, telling me how to play middle line? So I just, that's what I worry about. I don't think, I'm not trying to overthink this. I'm just thinking about long-term optics. But here's the deal. I don't think anything is happening with Zach Wilson and the New York Jets that all of us didn't predict. Like, it's not a great team. There, no, there's but, not a lot of good people around him. Like, did but, we not say that there was going to be bumps and lumps but I think and he, difficulties just, along the way? You talk about the thirty thousand foot level. Watching that game over in London early that Sunday morning, it, there was a little flare that he underthrew. Like, come on, Zach, that's not you. You could you could hit that one hundred out of one hundred times. It just seemed like he although, was second guessing himself. Although you can go back to the Hawaii Bowl game. Where there was a fourth down and he missed a flare, he missed an easy like swing route throw on fourth sure, down. Sure, you're right about right? that, like, but he was younger, so no, somehow I, know, I got but, past that. Right, because he had a one really really good year, but he had that one good pass in that workout. That's all it was. <laughs> well, that was pretty impressive. It wasn't really realistic to like what you're going to do in the NFL, but man, it was great for Wow Factor. Whoever told him to do that, that was fantastic because everybody like it went viral. Yeah, but. Listen, we look at we look at guys that play really good college football, and we're like, okay, that's automatically going to transfer over. But this is a this is a human being with real feelings, with real thoughts, and I just don't know. I, I mean, look, New York City is tough. I sure. mean, you know that better than I do. Yeah, I mean, right? and they weren't I expected mean, to be good. So my experience I, with New York is my wife, right? And she's tough. Like there is not, there's no. Well, like, she's the B gloves. word, right? She's abroad. She's not. <laughs> you know, when I tell her, like you said last time I was on the show, get out of the kitchen, <laughs> or get in the kitchen. Is that what you told me? Tell her to get back in the kitchen. 
And then I said, oh, that'd go over real well. And you said, well, just say please. Yeah. <laughs> Be nice. <laughs> well, my experience with New York is my wife. It's tough. Everybody talks about how tough it is. People are constantly talking about Zach Wilson. He can't go for a walk in the park, right? It's not like you can go and like just like, you know what? I'm just going to go for a hike up in the mountain real quick or take a walk around Central Park and nobody's going to know who he is and have some sort of comment about. I mean, there's nowhere to go to like kind of decompress and recalibrate and those sorts of things. I got you. I, I worry. I just worry about the load of all of this. And maybe that's the reason why they brought in John Beck is just to help him to understand like, hey, this this stuff will pass. You'll get better. You're going to hit these swing routes. You're going to hit these flare routes. Like all this stuff is going to come back. But a confident athlete is a dangerous athlete. And that's what Zach was last year. But you can lose confidence by playing for a team like the Jets. Like you, there's, there's, there's a couple of things that I've seen in social media where they're like, God, why can't why can't Zach Wilson make this play? And they're actually being like facetious, like like two guys are blocking the run guy. There's a linebacker like right in his face, running free, and then you look downfield from behind, and it's man to man defense, and there's not a guy with even like any separation at all. And my brother sent it to me uh, the other day, and he's like, "Hey, Rouse, does this give you flashbacks to when you played at Utah State?" And it really did. Like it was like two guys went the wrong way. There's a middle linebacker in your face. They're in man to man defense, and nobody's open. Like what? What are you supposed to do? You know, and people are like, "Well, why didn't he just step out of the way of this linebacker?" And I'm like, "That guy's top one percent in the world at what he does. That linebacker does not suck. Like, it's not just easy to outrun a linebacker or like out, you know, outplay a linebacker in the NFL." So he's got his hands full. He's going to have to be super mentally tough to make it through these situations. And maybe that's what maybe that's what their thoughts are with with John Beck is to help him to deal with the pressures of playing this position. It's it's hard freaking work. It's hard work. There's no question about it. And I think that the pressure has increased even while he isn't playing. And I'll explain why and what my point is and get your reaction to it when we come back. Stay with us. Riley Jensen, quarterback guru, mental health performance coach, joining us this morning. Dale Murphy coming up at the top of the hour and top of 9 o'clock hour. Joe Ingles will join us right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. The head coach of the Utah State Aggies, Blake Anderson. Coach, you've got a quarterback really cranking at a high level right now. How proud have you been of his performance? Well, a lot of what y'all have seen is, is what I expected to see. There are some, I would say, growing things that Logan's been dealing with, but I think he's gotten better every week. He's not been healthy, and he's battled through it, which just tells you a lot about his toughness. Super quick release. He'll sit in the pocket to the last second to get the ball out when he needs to. He'll take the big hit to get the ball to delivered to the right guys. He's tough. He keeps getting up off the turf. But proud of what he's doing. I think he's only going to get better. He's playing with a lot of confidence right now, which is good for us. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. All you Jazz fans, you can purchase a Ford Fan Zone all-you-can-eat ticket to an upcoming Jazz game and receive unlimited hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream starting as low as 30 bucks per ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or you can call 325-2999, 325-2999 to buy your Ford Fan Zone 
all-you-can-eat tickets right now. All right, Riley Jensen, former quarterback for Utah State, high school coach, works with quarterbacks, mental performance coach. So the Jets hire John Beck to complicate the matter. Mike White goes out and throws for 400 yards. That's it? Yeah, and they beat Cincinnati, which is an emerging team with Joe Burrow. So the Wilson family's getting a little nervous, aren't they? <laughs> I think. Well, I mean, look, the toughest the toughest position in all of sport is the quarterback's parents. <laughs> I mean, they have no control over what's going on, and they're just hoping and praying for all the best things to happen to their kid, right? And everybody's a critic. Everybody has an opinion on a quarterback. So that's that's a whole different story for another time. But but this goes back to the 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 point that you. You that we brought up in, in the last segment where quarterbacks become a paranoid bunch because, look, there's not a quarterback that's in the NFL that isn't a really, really, really good quarterback. Right. And I know even Nathan Peterman. I, I know that you've never even heard of some of these guys. Right. But these guys are very, very Cooper rush. They're typically the best quarterback ever or close to the best quarterback ever out of their college. These are confident individuals. They're alpha type personalities. They don't play in the NFL because they suck. Right now. Is he as good as Zach Wilson? I don't think so. And I think long-term will show. He threw for 400 yards. I know. Has Zach thrown for 400 yards all season? <laughs> yes. Come on. Come on. This is southeast Louisiana, Texas at San Antonio State here. <laughs> Did you just pull? Was that a Bo Diddley Tech All those teams that BYU beat up that on a, last year. Give was, me a break. Come on. You sounding seriously New Jersey I right could have thrown for 3,500 yeah, oh, yards. I love that one. <laughs> How many 300-yard games do you have in your career, PK? Oh, I never played Southeast Louisiana, Texas at San Antonio. Because you couldn't get on the uh, field. Denver Metro State College. Right, because you couldn't you couldn't even play at that level. Well, I didn't want to. I had other things I didn't to want do. To. Yeah. <laughs> I had I had other talents I had to uh But here's the de- here, develop. You know, just just getting back to my original point before you distract me completely. <laughs> Be mentally tough is not my problem. No, no, you do have to be mentally tough. Practice and, what you but, preach. But that's why you're. That's why quarterbacks are a little bit of a paranoid bunch. You don't want to come out of games, and you don't want anyone to come in and throw for 400 yards after you've been struggling during the year. So you don't want to be Charlie Brewer. Exactly. <laughs> how, do Char- think, how do you think Charlie was thinking in that second half against San Diego State? Oh, dude, I've seen a lot of it this year. I mean, you look at you, you look at. Uh, the quarterback for USC when Jackson Dark came in, you sh- Slovis. There was a whole bunch. Uh-oh. There was a whole <laughs> bunch of memes of his face as Jackson Dart is thrown for 400 yards and four touchdowns in three quarters, right? And that's why I think it's it's a compliment to Zach that he handled it. That he is being mentally tough. That he's handling it the way that you should. That doesn't mean that that's how he feels inside, right? Like he's a competitor. Like, that bothers him. Throw a pick, throw a pick, throw a pick. I promise you it bothers him that this guy came in and threw for 405 yards. So what what does the starting quarterback, what was Brewer and Wilson thinking? So the whole game, and then Brewer against San Jose State when rising obviously provided that spark. And even during all, Baylor Romney's looked good in the limited time he's played. Listen, you... 
you can like these guys. Like, look, I, I was in a situation where where I got hurt, and there was a guy who came off the bench and 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 gave the team a spark and played really. It, you can really like that guy, and you can see the writing on the wall, and it hurts. Like your your stomach hurts. Does that shake your confidence? It can. So how do you deal with that it when can. you've been struggling, or even if you've been playing well, but the other guy comes in and just does fantastic? You, so, so to me, I mean, this goes this this fast forwards to my new career here that yeah. I've had for the last five six years, right? Right, right. right. In mental toughness, the, the only thing that you can control you can't control how other people play. Everybody talks about control the controllables, and it, and it gets used a little bit over the top for me, like. The, the thing that's frustrating to me about that phrase is nobody talks about what the controllables are and what the uncontrollables are. So nobody knows. Everybody's like, yeah, what you got to do is you got to go out there, you got to control the controllables. And you're like, well, what the freak is that? Well, yeah, what can I control? I mean, they told DJ to control me, but I said, DJ, I'm uncontrollable. Yeah, that's not going to So you work. can't control me. Yeah, that's a bad idea. Right. Typically, you can't control anything outside of you. But when you're talking about controlling yourself, you're talking about controlling your attitude, which I thought Zach did a fantastic job with. You're talking about controlling your work ethic, which I think that he has a great work ethic. But then, okay, how much is that what, for show, though? Because well, he knows I, the cameras are on well, him. Well, of course, some of it's for show, but you have to act as if to begin with, right? Fake it until you become it is my phrase, not fake it until you make it. Fake it until you become it, right? Nice. Like, you can fake having a good attitude about something until you actually do. You can I've fake. I've never been able to do that, but you, yeah, I got you. You can fake, like, wanting to have a work ethic until you actually do. Like, if you just show up every day and you're not uh, you're not particularly a hard worker, but then you're like, man, I really need to do this. Well, you can fake it for a while until you actually become a hard worker, Got right? Yeah. So you can control nice. these things. But what Zach is going to have to get in, in real control of is his preparation, right? Like, what is his preparation? And they already talk about him being just a, a football rat, right? Like, he's in watching the film. He's he's doing all the things. But those are the only things he can control. He's got to let go of what the press says. He's got to let go of the performance of other players. He's got to let go of the fact that maybe he's not in the best scenario ever with his offensive line and wide receivers and all. And he's just got to take care of him and be the very, very best version of himself. And when you become hyper-focused on those things that you can control, your anxiety, your sport anxiety, the pressure that you feel goes down. Yeah. And when your anxiety and pressure goes down, your confidence and performance goes up. They're inversely proportional. There you go. That's Riley Jensen, for quarterback guru and mental health performance coach. Joining us now is also somebody who's dealing in performance, and he's Andrew from Wasatch Medical Clinic. Andrew, one of the things that I think is cool about the internet and used to not be this way, if you want to go to a restaurant or like for me, I like to golf, and so I want to see about a new course, I can go online and I can read a bunch of reviews, and people can be honest, and they can say, I like this, I like didn't like that, whatever service stunk, food was good, whatever it might be. And that's the same thing Wasatch Medical Clinic has with patients for ED, because we may be skeptical, but you can provide a bunch of evidence from folks who've been going to Wasatch Medical Clinic and can tell other folks how it it's worked and how good it's been, correct? Yes, we have, uh, I think, hundreds of reviews. And one of the most interesting things when you're considering this treatment at Wasatch Medical is to go to wasatchmedicalclinic.com, click on the science page. There you'll read 50 studies. They have tested this on groups of men, 
gone back, taken x-rays, and published the results. In many, most of the cases, the erectile dysfunction is reversed with acoustic wave therapy. The blood flow is improved. The need to take the pill is either uh, significantly reduced or eliminated completely. This is a game changer, guys. If you're struggling with ED, if you're struggling with performance in the bedroom, if you're sick of pills, if you feel like maybe the intimacy level and the relationship is strained, that is what we do here. We're treating the root cause problem without any chemicals or side effects. There you go. Wasatch Medical Clinic, 801-901-8000. Now, of course, when you join us on DJ and PK, you usually have something up your sleeve as far as a special offer. What do you got going today? So much value. This is the first step in regaining your love life. Uh, You'll come into our clinic for about 30 minutes. Meet with our doctor. He'll do an assessment exam, and he'll test the strength of your blood vessels to make sure that's the issue. Uh, Pretty cool process, actually. You get the gift that produces immediate results in the bedroom. Uh, You'll love that. And if you're like so many, a little low in the tank, blood work and testosterone is free today as well. There you go, Andrew. Thanks a lot. Wasatch Medical Clinic. Right now, you need to call to claim all that Andrew's talking about, 801-901-8000, 801-901-8000. Andrew, thanks for giving us some information. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, coming up next, Dale Murphy of the Atlanta Braves fame and the Braves win the World Series. Stay with us next, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Welcome back in, DJ and PK. 8 o'clock hour, Dale Murphy is joining us, and he's joining us on the Smart Rain guest line, best of state winner. Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Visit smarttrain.net or call 877-346-3333. Dale Murphy joining DJ and PK only. DJ is gone. Riley Jensen, quarterback coach, mental health performance coach, is joining us. Dale Murphy, good morning. How are you, my friend? Oh, good good morning, uh, PK. <laughs> good morning, Riley. Uh, yeah, I mean, doing great. <laughs> uh, what a game last night. I was in Atlanta for those three games, and uh, recovered. That was a. Uh, I, I was running all over the place, having a blast in it in Atlanta between the game and my restaurant and sponsors. So I had a busy weekend, uh, but settled into the sofa last night and uh, really enjoyed it. Just so happy for. Well, there's so many people, you know. Obviously, the whole organization, but Brian Snitker is someone that us kind of old timers really have a a connection to. So. It was really a special night. Yeah, now he's been with the organization since 1977, a grinder, various places in the organization with coaching, minor league, blah, blah, blah. Finally gets a chance, what, in 16 as the interim, and here you are this year winning it all. I mean, there's all sorts of stories, as there always are in these cases, but in terms of setting an example for people of showing up, going to work, putting your head down, doing the best you can, this is just a great story with this manager. Yeah, I think it's – you're right. Uh, there are a lot of storylines. I think baseball lends itself to 
stories like this, especially in the postseason. As we all know, baseball, you can't get the, play, the best the ball into your best player's hands uh, unless he's a, a closer. But you can't get, you know, you can't get Freddie up there in the ninth unless his, his slot turns up. So what happens is, you, you know, and, and then you, you end up with a little uh, uh, mix-up in your pitching rotation and, you know, you, you got a storyline there, someone you haven't heard of. But uh, so many, so many storylines. But talking about Brian Snitker and showing up for work, yeah, uh, just you know, about halfway through the season, I thought of that because they were under five hundred, and then they got to five hundred. Then they set a record for winning a game, losing a game, winning a game, losing a game. They they went about ten days, or, or maybe maybe no longer than that. They went, I can't even remember, about 15 games, winning and losing, and couldn't get over 500. Uh, Could have got frustrated in that, but this is the perfect example of Brian Snitker just every day just shows up and and concentrates on that game. And that's what every, you know, really it's an organizational win. There's so many storylines from the front office to the scouts making trades to – uh, guys coming up from the minor leagues. Uh, we all know that the MVP of the LCS got um, Rosario was from the trade deadline. It's Soler, MVP of the World Series, yeah. was a, tra- uh, a deadline tra- a trade deadline acquisition as well. So, I mean, it's just yeah, they just show up. This this team just kept grinding, and I think a lot of times you take the personality of your manager and uh, these guys just every day showed up and pitched a bit this is where they end up great story great story uh dale as a as a young man i i had the opportunity to listen to you speak up at the spectrum in logan as a as a 12 year old and i know that you still use this today in some of the things that you speak about to to various groups and it was you know swing hard just in case <laughs> and and i and i always loved it and I always thought it was like really, really just a, a, an impactful speech that you gave to me as a young man. Is there a coach or is there someone that, that sticks out to you from your youth that gave you some great wisdom as to, to all the different success that you had as a professional, as a, as a professional now in what you're doing? Well, thank you, Riley. Yeah, I, uh, uh, you know, I listened to uh, Ted Simmons. A Hall of Fame speech, and also his St. Louis uh, Sports Hall of Fame speech. Uh, you know, I ran across that, which happened a few years ago, and Ted went, got inducted to the Hall of Fame this, the Baseball Hall of Fame this summer. Um, he said it, in in his speech in St. Louis, which I I remember the phrase he used. He said something like, "You know, when you give speeches like this, people say don't start mentioning names because you'll forget someone." He says, well, I'm going to start naming names. And he went on for about 20 minutes. All he did was say the person's name. And, you know, I could do that right now. I don't think we have 20 minutes, and I'm going to have to write it down because I will probably forget someone. There are a number, you know, just throughout your life and throughout my career, yeah, people came up to me. Uh, I had a very influential coach in high school, Jack Dunn best coach that I've ever had, including professional. So how lucky was I to grow up in a, in a neighborhood with a hall of, high school Hall of Fame coach and, and when he went to he, – he's in the college Hall of Fame uh, wow. as a coach too. So 
And then I go into pro ball, uh, yes, just time and time again. Uh, one that sticks out is a teammate of mine, Gary Matthews, who when he was traded, Braves fans will remember back. Yeah, Sarge. <laughs> and the reason why Pete Rose named him Sarge is because he he was not afraid to say what needed to be said, which a lot of young players have trouble with. But he came up to me and challenged me one day when I was really struggling and really challenged me and actually asked me if I was scared because I looked scared at the plate. And it's that's essentially it. I was so offended. I didn't act offended, but I was like, well, something's got to change here if I'm looking scared. Uh, little things like that. I've had a number of coaches, and and but that's that was a very influential small conversation in my, early in my rookie year with Gary Matthews. And I could think, and I will think of some more. I'm going to start writing them down right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get that speech ready. We need you in the Hall of Fame. Well, I hope so. I hope so. Thank you. Dale Murphy joining us. Obviously, Atlanta Braves legend, Atlanta Braves winning the World Series. You just spoke earlier here a few minutes ago where you say you can't put the ball in your superstar's hands. And for some people, that's viewed as a knock on baseball. But I, you know me, I'm a baseball dude. I have been since birth has gotten my blood and has stayed there ever since i actually think that's the reason to celebrate the sport because what i call guys like bucky dent and we all remember the home run right when did eddie rosario turn into ted williams i mean come on he was coming up with base hits every time and then he didn't have the maybe the bat in the world series but he makes a phenomenal play in left field up against the wall where it seemed like he was swatting a fly in the dark, and he ends up making the catch. I actually think that's the strength of the game. Yeah, Freddie Freeman is a star MVP, hits the home run late in the game, has a big hit early in the game, and that's great and all. But I like the fact that you got to account for everybody because you don't know who's going to come up big in any situation, and that we've seen it throughout the history of the game and legendary moments that literally live on forever because they're so-called no-name guys, and they Bucky Dennett. Absolutely. I, I, you, that's exactly the, the one of the attractions of baseball. Uh, um, that catch, for instance, will be replayed throughout the history of the Atlanta Braves. Right. Uh, much like other memorable moments. And it's a guy we traded for at the deadline from, I don't even know who we got him from. Minnesota. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Minnesota? Yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah, it was just a utility yeah. guy for the Twins. Yeah. Um, it, but we could go on and on. I think there were six trades. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, during that time. Uh, but, but anyway, let's talk about Rosario. And, and there's a number of other situations. But anyway, yeah, that's... That's the it is the beauty of the game. Eddie Rosario is, will be and always and like you said, I'm repeating what you said. Freddie will always be a hero in in, but now so will Eddie Rosario. He's going to come back in 20 years and and people say I was there when you made the catch. And let's think about is there been another time? Otis Nixon, the catch against the Pirates, uh, climbed Climb the wall, the wall. Yeah. and I don't know who hit it, Van Slyke or someone. Yeah, but. I agree. I'm just agreeing with you. It's it's a really interesting part of baseball. 
we we got to be careful not to get rid of the interesting parts. I'm in favor of some things to change, but this is one of the attractions of the game. Uh, and, and Joe Posnanski said it best. Uh, I can't do the exact quote, but he said something like, I can't argue with people when they say baseball is boring, because it is. But every once in a while, when something happens, it's, it's mind-boggling and incredible, and you'll remember it forever. And that's, that's the nature of the game. And, uh, that's, I mean, all the cliches, that's why they play the game. The game isn't over till the last out. You always have a shot. There's no clock in baseball. It's all true. It just is. It's a marvelous game. It really is, and especially when you're on the winning side. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Dale, I have a question for you. When What is harder, facing down – Nolan Ryan in Major League Baseball or parenting, you know, studs like Jake Murphy and Sean and McKay and all this. Is that what is, what is tougher or what has been more enjoyable? Wow. Uh, that, 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 that is a very interesting question with what is tougher and what is more enjoyable. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, uh, Nancy is a great mom, and so I don't take a lot of credit for raising this family. But let me just say that uh, facing Nolan Ryan is not fun. If you get a hit, you get a few thousand people cheering you. <laughs> if you're a good parent, there's not a lot of people giving you a standing ovation. <laughs> but that's the most. But that is the most important thing in life. Is <laughs> your family. And I think that's one of the challenges with with uh, job family uh, balance is you always get pats on the back and accolades and attention, but doing the most important things sometimes are not that uh, um, you, you don't get a lot of public praise and pats on the back and ego boosting. So I would say in all instances, uh, even though our kids are great, just being a parent and and uh, and uh, is is forever, uh, you know, the most important, most challenging, but most critical part of our lives. Dale Murphy joining us. Do you know, this is going to be a bizarre question, but stay with me for a second here. Do you know Tony La Russa and Dave Stewart well at all? Not well. I know them. Um, and, uh, but, you know, one thing is we didn't have interleague play in the back in the day. I probably would have known them better. But, yeah, I know Tony and okay. and. Uh, the reason uh, and Dave Stewart. Yeah. The reason why I Dave, bring Dave that up, Tony, yeah. uh, you know, come and have an Arizona background, and they started the Diamondbacks yeah. in '98, yeah. and they are the two guys who traded Dansby Swanson for Shelby Miller, Dale. Shelby Miller, and they gave up the number one pick, the shortstop, Dansby Swanson. If you ever see them, could you smack those guys in the back of the head for all Diamondback fans? <laughs> Yeah, I'll, well, I'll simultaneously, I'll do the hug and a slap in the back. Oh, yeah, you would hug him. No, yeah, I got it. Yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah. No, I got you. No, I, you know, I did. I saw Dansby. I was doing a little part-time stuff. In fact, I could have, I was doing some part-time stuff in the break. I, in fact, I could have been in the draft room the year he was drafted. Not that I was any part of the draft. I was an observer. But I remember being in the Braves draft and seeing, you know, video of him, you know, 1-1. And Dansby Swanson, you know, looked like a quality kid, a competitor. And, you know, 1-1. First player pick, first round. I'm like, whoa. And then the next year, 
Shelby actually had a good year for us. I I, I don't know what they didn't see in, in Dansby. I, I, it, it is a mind-boggling trade, uh, especially w- – number one – wasn't he number one? Yes, yes, he was. Out of Vanderbilt. Yes, he was. He was number one, yeah. man. Uh, uh, Championship team, yes. quality kid. <laughs> I mean it, and uh, I, 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 you know, it. I don't know. Yeah, it, exactly. PK, I, it, it still boggles the mind. You know, everybody, every organization. Uh, I'll tell you though, if we, it, every organization does kind of have that one trade where they're like, oh, "What, what did we do?" But that was a head scratcher, just because he only played a short season. Right. He had only played seventy games in rookie ball. In fact, it was in Hillsboro, Oregon, uh, and all of a sudden, you know, so. And then I don't think Shelby really contributed to the uh, no, Diamondbacks. He never did. I mean, he didn't win a game. He got hurt. And now I think he's getting uh, raked out of the bullpen for the Pirates. Yeah, it's a it's an odd game. And, and and there's a lot of, you know, let's just talk about scouts for one second if we got time. Yeah, go ahead. This, this Braves championship, um, I would not only like to see these scouts get a ring, which they will, but you got to seriously consider giving them a raise because, number one, they aren't making that much money. I can guarantee you that. They don't make enough. If I started an organization, my first ten hires would be scouts. Uh, they facilitated these trades, not only the ones that happened at the trade deadline. They're making decisions. You know, it's not like, hey, 80-20, I think Rosario is somebody we need, or Soler, uh, or Jock Peterson. You have You have to put, as a scout, they don't take that it's a yes or a no you know should we do this and you right. have to you have to put yourself on the line and uh they did this they saw Solaire. they said he's turned a corner we feel he's turned a corner and you know he hits one out of the stadium last night among other big hits and and etc throughout the few months he was with atlanta uh so Anyway, scouts see things differently. Um, who knows what happened back then? But uh, you know, scouts—they—they're the backbone of your organization. Scouts and minor league instructors, and uh, you see it in the big leagues, and it's all glitzy and everything. But the guys not making a lot of money that are putting their careers, literally their careers, on the line with decisions because. Uh, you know, it's it's just a remarkable. It's it, it's fun. I've hung around with scouts, and that year I was with the Braves for a while, and I was like, "How do you decide?" Because every guy I see looks great to me. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, so anyway. All right, before uh, we let you go, Dale. Yeah. I you know I love the game, but I got to say it does bug me to see third baseman Manny Machado throwing out a guy from right field. Because they've got some crazy shift on, and he's basically like the rover in softball. Uh, I I don't know what they can do uh, because it doesn't seem like players are. They seem like they're reluctant to go the other way or lay one down, and these shifts to an extent are bothering me. So I've come up with a plan that you can play any guys wherever you want, but you have to have four guys who have to start each pitch with their feet, their back foot, on the dirt of the infield. You can line them up wherever you want. You can put them all down the first baseline if you want. But they've got to have four guys whose feet are on the dirt, 
and then everybody else can be wherever they want. Because I think something needs to be done here to get more balls in play, and these analytics and these nerds from MIT are taking over the game. What do you got? I, If I was commissioner, I would look at your uh, – everything's on the table to me. In other words, you know, I used to say, hey, the shift is the shift. We can't, you can't regulate that. But I would start to, yes, I would look at your idea, look at anybody's idea. In other words, I would consider it. I'd probably move, try to move a little faster than baseball is because you're right. Uh, uh, the, the pitchers have a big advantage. They're throwing harder. You talk about uh, going the other way. It's, it's hard to do when it's throwing 96. Back in my day, I might be able to hit one over there, you know, because not everybody threw 96. But I would look at it. I definitely would consider a lot of things uh, to to help uh, the hitters out, see a little more offense. It is frustrating, especially when you see someone in a position like a rover. But, hey, here's my bottom line on analytics. It's math. I can't argue with math. And the shift happens because it works. That's the only reason they do it. Um, the only reason why they don't steal, they don't hit and run, they don't bunt as much is because the analytics say, it's it's not a good percentage move. So I, I can't argue with the math, but I would consider rules changes. Uh, like you said, I'd consider it. Absolutely. And the other thing is we got to figure out how to get this game to three hours on average. No, actually 245. 245? You know, four-hour game starting at 8 o'clock yeah. is, is, is not, is not going is, is to generate the next group of fans. We're not going to lose the guy's the people that love the game, they'll sit there for six hours. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but we need to get this game to two forty-five. And then also, forty-five minutes. I've been I've been slow on this, but I'm willing to make the move. Universal DH, it's got to happen. Yeah, it's it's happened. Can you imagine? We're playing the World Series for the last forty years under different set of rules. It's that ridiculous. It's it's unreal. I, I I can't even believe there as as much as I. Would don't like the DH for strategy reasons. Yeah, it's time. Right. It's way past time. Right, uh, way past time. Way it. I can't say that any any clearer. But I, I just was thinking during this World Series uh, um, that uh, we've been doing this for forty years in different ballparks. We had a reliever uh, for, and I can't remember his name for the Astros, who was the last pitcher to hit, probably in the history of the game. He probably hadn't had a, an at bat in ten years, <laughs> and and uh, he went up there. They told him not to swing. They didn't want him to pull a muscle, and that's where we're at. That's what kind of baseball is that? Right. So, yeah. You're yeah. right. It's coming. All right. Hey, well, enjoy enjoy the Braves winning the World Series. You truly are a Braves legend, and we appreciate you joining us. Oh, so thankful to be on, guys, anytime, especially after the Braves win a World Series. <laughs> okay, talk to you next October then. <laughs> yeah, all right. Good, Thanks, good idea. All, all right. right, thank you. That's Dale Murphy joining us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now, another winner of a different kind is joining us, and he is Andrew 
Andrew Reinhardt. You've seen him on TV, radio all over the place. He's from Wasatch Medical Clinic. I've heard you in Phoenix. I've heard you in St. George. I think if I go to Europe, I might hear you, Andrew, because you are a celebrity now, and you're talking about ED, which is so important. Tell us why it's important, basically, and what you can do and what Wasatch Medical Clinic can do to take care of the situation. That's right, Pika. You can't you can't escape me. I follow you everywhere, <laughs> but this is an important subject, erectile dysfunction. Here's the main attraction and why so many men in so many cities are taking these treatments. Uh, a guy suffering with erectile dysfunction typically has a blood flow problem, maybe plaque buildup, maybe damaged blood vessels. That is what the acoustic wave therapy at Wasatch Medical Clinic repairs. Fifty clinical studies, in fact have agreed with us, the Cleveland Clinic, this is one of the biggest hospitals in America, here's what they said after they tested it. It created a clinical and statistical increase in blood flow. That is so cool. Who doesn't want more blood flow in this part of the body in the bedroom? No pills, no chemicals. That means no more side effects. There you go, man. You make it sound so simple. I'm not going to say that it is simple, but what I am going to say is it's correctable. That's the most important thing. If you got the issue, it's fixable, correctable, correct? That's right. We've been up treating the symptoms for 30 years with the pill, not addressing the blood flow, the blood vessels, uh, anything, the tissue. And now we're fixing the problem. And that's a big relief for a lot of guys because they get the on-demand function in the bedroom back. There you go. All right. Wasatch Medical Clinic, 801-901-8000. Tell us about why you're on today and what you have to offer if guys call today. If you're ready to put a stop to your ED, regain your love life, or just improve performance and frequency, we do a lot of that too, uh, give us a call now. The assessment exam and blood flow ultrasound with the MD, no charge. The gift, uh, this is worth the trip, guys, produces immediate results in the bedroom. And if you're like so many and you feel like uh, a little lethargic maybe, blood work and testosterone is free today as well. There you go. Wasatch Medical Clinic, 801-901-8000, 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, PK. All right, Riley Jensen coming up next, man. What to do if you can't make a shot? Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. The head coach of the Utah State Aggies, Blake Anderson. Coach, you've got a quarterback really cranking at a high level right now. How proud have you been of his performance? Well, a lot of what y'all have seen is, is what I expected to see. There are some, I would say, growing things that Logan's been dealing with, but I think he's gotten better every week. He's not been healthy, and he's battled through it, which just tells you a lot about his toughness. Super quick release. He'll sit in the pocket to the last second to get the ball out when he needs to. He'll take the big hit to get the ball to delivered to the right guys. He's tough. He keeps getting up off the turf. But proud of what he's doing. I think he's only going to get better. He's playing with a lot of confidence right now, which is good for us. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Today's Wednesday, but in two days, we got Football Friday. Football Friday is presented by Stonehaven Dental. At Stonehaven Dental, they say yes. Yes to free exams and x-rays for new patients and flexible appointments. Say yes to a great dental care. 
Visit StonehavenDental.com to schedule an appointment. Riley Jensen, quarterback guru, longtime coach, now mental performance coach. The Jazz with a nice win over Sacramento. Riley is a Utah native, lived here all of his life. And so he's a longtime jazz follower. Now he has got the mental performance aspects, got all the training, works with some of the jazz folks, in addition to a whole lot of other things that he's got going on. Gracious enough to join us because DJ's off today. So, Riley, my thought for you is Jordan Clarkson is 0 of 18 from three, and he can't buy a three. He made 99 uh, games in a row, and then it ended, uh, what, Sunday against Milwaukee. And then last night in the arena, uh, what was he, O of uh, 11 from three? Oh. Now you are the guru of the brain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a guru a little lower in the body, but you're the guru. Oh, you and Andrew have been talking. Yeah. I, if you, if, no, if you've got feet issues, I'm your guy. Oh. <laughs> I was way off. It's you and Rex Ryan. Yes, and and, friends. Right. Love the feet. You don't go anywhere without the feet. You know. Come on. So, with that in That's mind, what Rex says, um, "What is going on? What if, if the Jazz came? If Quinn Snyder came to you and said, hey, help us with because obviously Jordan Clarkson is a proven NBA player, but right now he cannot buy a three. Good thing is that they're winning. So, in the end, the results of the W's and L's, it doesn't really matter. And he'll come out of it. But when somebody can't buy a hoop, what do you tell them? <laughs> well, first of all, Jordan Clarkson, I'm not sure that he needs my help. This is this is this is a savvy veteran that knows how to handle this, and I actually like what he's done. I mean, there's not very many people in America, let alone the NBA, that would shoot 18 times in a row and miss from three point land, right? And and uh, just keep shooting. And he he's definitely got that mentality that that he can shoot it and he can make it at any time. And he and last night watching the game, he's shooting in the fourth quarter. He's certainly not afraid. And I like that mentality, and I think there's a really, really, there's actually a really good quote um, on on a shooting slump and those sorts of things from Damian Lillard that I that I posted this morning that I think is really, really interesting into the mentality of being a shooter and those sorts of things. But here's what I would say if I was working with someone, and I've worked with a European basketball player uh, that that was struggling with the three. Right. Dirk Nowitzki? No, 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 not not an NBA <laughs> player, but a person who was playing in Europe, right? So, one of the things that we talked about was you have to be careful about being outcome oriented when you're when you're a shooter, and and a lot of a, a guy in the position like Jordan Clarkson, he he's paid to shoot the three. He's paid to come in and give them a lift off the bench, right? Yes. And so if you become outcome oriented, like, oh man, I'm. I'm O for my last 18, right? Then, then all of a sudden, that outcome starts to really become like a weight on top of you, and it, and it becomes really. And this is true in baseball. This is true in a lot of different things, right? Where you get in a little bit of a slump, it's hard not to think about the outcome. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. We try and shift them to a little bit different type of a goal, or we try and change the scoreboard. So, my thought process when I was working with this this player that was playing in Europe was, okay, so you were O for five from three. But how many of those shots were within the context of the offense and were good shots for your team? Right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And he it. had no idea. He goes, what, what do you mean? And we start talking about these things, right? And I, I said, you've got to start grading yourself on, you are a shooter, you know how to shoot the three, you know what you're doing, 
right? So were you five for five within the context of the offense and shooting when you're open? Now, there's a whole bunch that goes into whether that's an open shot for Jordan Clarkson compared to somebody else compared to somebody else and what 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 Quinn wants him to do, right? But he's got to start he, – he, he'll have to start just looking at it like, hey, it's okay, my shot's going to come around. All 18 of these shots were within the context of the offense and are good shots for me and for the team. And I remember just not very long ago, Quinn was talking about Joe Ingles and, and it was in the playoffs, and he goes, I would rather – I would rather that Joe goes two for nine yeah. than goes like zero oh for two right. from three, and it has to do with spacing, and it has to do with people having to guard them, and it has to do with loosening other people up. And I love it. I love Quinn's mentality, and I, you know, I don't know who Quinn talks to, but he has a great deal of sports psychology knowledge just in the way that he talks about things, and it allows these guys to play free. It allows a guy like Jordan Clarkson to go eight zero oh for eighteen, and nobody's seriously worried about it. Right, like I don't think that you have to worry about Jordan Clarkson coming around because no, we're not. But how about him? I I get to me, you're winning. You're not making buckets, but the team is winning. That's a great sign because he's going to make shots, and so miss him when you lose. That's best of both worlds in a sense. But the individual. It's got to affect them. No, it does. It, 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 I don't care who you are. This is a human being. This is a person who cares about performing well, right? But So you start getting him process-oriented. You start saying, okay, so you've shot 18 times. How many of those 18 were good shots for the team? And then the other thing that you have to start doing is you have to start helping them with whatever the mentality is. And and when, when you talk about the human brain, we can, we can have 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day in our mind, but at any one time, if I sliced your mind open, PK, in the last five minutes that we've been Just talking, don't touch my heart. At four minutes and three seconds ago, we sliced your brainwaves open. There's only one thought in your head. So the one thing that I would be working on with him is just getting him to neutral. So they, they talk about like, okay, you don't want to have negative thoughts. Everybody knows that. Like, that's obvious, right? Yeah. And everybody says, oh, well, you got to be positive. Well... Sometimes that's a huge leap as an athlete. When you're not playing well, to go from like a red thought to like, no, I'm money, I'm going to make this shot, it's too big of a jump. So a lot of times what we do is we'll take someone from what I call red thinking to yellow thinking, which is neutral or productive thinking, okay? And 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 typically neutral or productive thinking could be like you're singing a song under your breath so that you're filling your, with your mind with a neutral thought instead of a negative thought and all of a sudden his body starts doing the work like it's always done or and I'm proud or, to be an American yeah, see, you do a really good job of this on the show like you <laughs> sing a lot right Where when you have a negative thoughts you sing a song and it gets you back in the right mindset right sing sing a song <laughs> make it simple I know you're joking I know I know you're joking, but I have a Westminster <laughs> basketball player that went from 43% shooting to 70 by the end of the year simply by singing a song under his breath when he was at the free throw line because it substitutes out a negative thought for a neutral thought, right? I'm now, on the highway <laughs> to hell. Why, why does this remind me of a Saturday Night Live skit? <laughs> I'm listening. I'm doing what you're telling me to do. I'm the perfect patient. The second thing that I think is important when it comes to the the psychology of like trying to pull out of negative thinking or having these negative thoughts is just think how you would coach your best friend. And typically, when you would coach your best friend, you're a good friend, so you're not actually going to lie to them. You're going to tell them the truth. But you're going to do it in a lot more 
productive way, and I call that productive thinking, right? Then it, when you're ripping yourself, like what the, what the frick is wrong with me? Like why am I miss? Like you don't talk like that to your friends, right? You don't talk to, like that to a good friend. So typically, if you think about how you would coach a really good friend of yours, you would come up with one to two really solid coaching points, and that would be about it. You'd say, look, I know you're missing threes. Here's what you need to focus on. You need to focus on A. You need to focus on B. And then let that be the self-coaching that takes place. Instead of all these things like, oh, I'm letting my teammates down. Oh, I'm not playing good basketball. If I don't play good basketball, how are we going to get the number one seed? If we don't get the number one seed, how are we going to win a championship? And it can really cycle into a dark place. Typically, that doesn't happen with pro players as much as it would with a college player or a high school player. So you talked about Lillard, and I follow the box scores, obviously, because it's my job. And I know Lillard's not having a good season compared to what he's normally capable of doing and what he's done for so many years. He's shooting 35% from the field. And from three, he's shooting 23%. That sucks. I don't know if he's a little gassed because he had to play in the Olympics or whatever. So you talked about what he said. What did you post what he said? So, I mean, it's a little bit longer of a quote, but... He he just said, for me personally, I love when these opportunities present themselves, right? Because when I'm riding high and when I'm smoking hot and when I get it going, people are going to look at it and be like, we remember when you were struggling and you didn't shy away from it. I think it will be more... I think I will have more respect and more success when they see how you handle failure than how you handle struggle. And basically what he's talking about right there to me is he's talking about the fact that, like, dude, anybody can be a front runner. Yeah. I'm really really good at that. All of us could be front runners. I I mean, the worst thing that you can be labeled to me as an athlete is a front runner, right? How do you handle it when things aren't going well? Do you shoot through it? Do you hold yourself high? Do you hold yourself in a good position? Are you the best player for the team? Are you the best player on the team? You should be trying to be the best player for the team when things aren't going right. And And then at the very end, he just says, so personally, I embrace that. It's not fun. It's not easy, but it's part of my DNA. That's how I got to this position. I'm not angry about it. I'm frustrated with it. I do see it as a challenge, and it's one I accept, and I know I'll come out on top as I always do. Now, that part right there is really interesting from a psychological standpoint because what he's doing is he's drawing on past experiences of what he's done to move him forward in the future, and I think Jordan Clarkson needs to do that as well. That's just a really good, healthy thing. We talk about this stuff in sports psychology. You should write down a list of all the things that you're proud of, that you've accomplished, and that you've done in a non-emotional situation so that when you get to that difficulty, when you get to that adverse situation, it's written down in your own handwriting. Like, hey, no, you're not a schlep. No, you can do this. No, you have done this your whole life. And it's written in your own own handwriting, and you can rely on that when you're in, in adverse situations. Deep Thinking by Riley Jensen. We'll explore some more of this. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Aggies take a break from Mountain West Conference play for a trip to New Mexico for a showdown against New Mexico State. Catch all the play-by-play action this Saturday, beginning with the Aggie pregame show at 1. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Jazz fans, visit the Ford Fan Zone on Level 6, where there are free Papa Shot games, cornhole, and foosball tables. Enjoy incredible city and mountain views while relaxing, enjoying food and drink. 
taking in the game and socializing with friends. Joe Ingles is going to join us in the next segment. Riley Jensen joining us now, so we got a quick one so we can be on time for Joe. You know, you talk about Jordan Clarkson and, and Quinn Snyder saying, giving him all the confidence in the world. How about if if they you don't get the confidence from the uh, outside in terms of how do you build it on the inside? You know, I look at my situation. I was in high school and, and, and I had the back back east attitude and I'm in Arizona and this was a fish out of water. And and the, and so I came off curmudgeonly. I get that's my really? persona. You? Yeah. I mean, come on, well, let's be honest. I can't even imagine. So one of the uh, like US history teacher or whatever, senior year, what what are you gonna do after this? I said, I'm gonna go to college. He says, No, be serious. Ooh. So that was one then fast forward, I'm going to ASU. I had a, uh, took a broadcasting editing class, and you used to have the reel-to-reel tapes, and you had to splice and edit them. And studio time at ASU at those days, this was very small. Now they got a big thing. It's not even on campus. It's downtown Phoenix. And so you could double up on the studio time, right? So you could do the project. They would give you a, 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 a like an A-track, and it had a news report, but it had a bunch of errors, and you had to clean it up. So made sound good. So I did it with a friend of mine, and we both did the same. We did the same thing. And then when you're done, you record it on your own track, and you hand in that track to the teacher. Right? Same exact thing. Same exact thing. He got an A. I got a B minus. It was the exact same thing. <laughs> exact same thing. So I've had people doubt me every step of the way. Right. I didn't doubt me, but they doubted me. Right. And I've kept all the rejection letters that I've received over the years and negative reviews. And I've given the finger to every single one of those people. I never doubted myself, but how do you handle it when they doubt you? Well, I, I mean, I think you handle it kind of the way you did, right? Didn't it? Didn't yeah, it put but a little I'm bit of a wired, chip on your shoulder? And I still have it to this day. Right. Well, I, th- I think everybody has to wire themselves a little bit like you. Now, you, you, you are wired different. I think that's part of your success. I think that's part of like who you are. But I think at some point, if you can't handle some of that stuff, you, you, you have to somehow figure out a way to use that as fuel rather than like letting it burn you down. Right. Right. And, 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 and truthfully, like if you, if, if everything that you do in your life is, is motivated by you know something that's on the outside and and not what's on the inside then it's it's really really tough to survive it's really tough to survive you have to be what they call intrinsically motivated not exteriorly motivated okay but is that hard to do oh yeah i mean life is hard right it can like, be yeah not all really, the time really hard. but I, I i mean it's interesting that you say that but i've I've kept different comments. I've kept different newspaper articles. I've put all those kind of things that have been negative about me, and I put them in a drawer. And I actually haven't put them in the drawer for me. I actually don't go through and read them. They're not like these things that I read, and I'm like, oh, I can't wait to flip somebody off. I'm actually keeping them for my kids. Like, hey, do you hear me sitting around whining about this or or crying about this or like really, really like getting upset about all these different things? No, you don't hear that because it's not really important, but do they exist? Yes. Like there's anytime you're trying to do something hard or difficult or worthwhile, there are going to be people, even in your family, who are critics and who are naysayers and and who are are trying to subterfuge. It's the crabs in the bucket theory, right? Yeah. 
I mean, I mean, it just it's just part of our it's part of our existence here, and we have to learn how to deal with those things. Yeah, there you go. All right, joining us now, Wasatch Medical Clinic with Andrew Reinhardt talking about proving people wrong. How about proving people right? Wasatch Medical Clinic, if you've got AED, the bottom line here is go see Wasatch Medical Clinic because they can fix the issue. Isn't that the point, Andrew? Yes, that is the point. Instead of just putting a Band-Aid on the problem, on erectile dysfunction, which is what the pill is, we're going to the actual issue as we age, uh, plaque builds up a little bit. Uh, blood vessels harden a little bit, and the blood flow doesn't really happen like it used to. Our technology at Wasatch Medical, the acoustic wave therapy, it repairs, opens up, even softens those blood vessels so you achieve better circulation uh, in the bedroom where you want it, when you want it. This is backed by 50 studies showing it's safe, it's effective. It even has been called the new standard of care for erectile dysfunction. There you go. The new standard. Wasatch Medical Clinic's got the new standard, 801-901-8000. Now, each time you come on the air, you come on the air to tell our listeners about that, but you also have a specific purpose because you got something cooking this very day. Tell us about it. A lot of value. If you're ready to regain your love life or just improve performance and frequency, Call us this morning. The assessment exam and blood flow ultrasound is free. The gift that produces uh, pretty immediate and powerful results in the bedroom. You'll love that. And here's one of significant value. Blood work and testosterone is free uh, today to our patients as well. Ah, free. Love that. Instant results, man. Guaranteed. There you go. Wasatch Medical Clinic right now. Call to claim all the stuff that Andrew's talking about. 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Andrew, thanks a lot. Thank you. All right, Joe Ingles coming up next. Stay with us. This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush. And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle Bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe to the cop, slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show <coughs> with DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Joe Ingles joining us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Visit smarttrain.net or call 877-346-3333. Joe Ingles joining us. DJ's off, but we've got Riley Jensen. Riley Jensen works with the Jazz folks on mental performance. But, Joe, you are so mentally tough, you don't need anybody's help. Is that correct? No, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) When you won the the medal there in uh, Tokyo, were they playing, uh, what was it, Men at Work? Was that that the music you guys were singing to? Um, I mean, after we won it between then and getting on the plane, the amount of... uh, songs that were played that I probably wasn't in a state to know who was singing them or what they were, but I remember I remember bits and pieces of it. Um, 
But yeah, it was a hell of a talk. Now that was the Men at Work, I think he's an Australian band. When Joe yeah. Wingles wants to rock out, what does he listen to? Um, I'm actually not much of a music guy, which my team um, isn't uh, usually too happy when they tell me to like pick a song or something on the we've got speakers like in every place you can ever think of in the stadiums um, and on the plane and um, I'm more of a podcast guy if anything um, or just the radio not your station but um, yeah any so other radio. you're the only one who doesn't listen to us um, yeah I've, it's probably actually about true it's actually surprising you kept the job for this long to be honest who you or me no, you. <laughs> my my show is the best show that's been in Salt Lake in the last seven years. We are in our eighth year. It's an amazing run, no doubt about it. Are we going to be in the nine and ten and eleven, twelve years? Um. Well, I mean, it's funny. That's obviously not up to me. You'd have to ask uh, our um, general manager Justin Zanuck and our owner Ryan Smith that question. Um, I mean, you know how I feel and Renee feels and our family feels about living here, but um, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. I obviously haven't been in a contract year for, I don't even know how long, to be honest. <laughs> it's been, yeah. It feels like I've been contracted for seven years straight. Right. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens, but obviously a lot of that is, is in their hands. That's partly obviously out of my control. All right, our mental performance guy, Riley Jensen, has a mental performance question that's going to penetrate your brain and make you a better player, a better man, a better husband, and a better father. I'm ready. Flair, <laughs> flair for the dramatic with PK. I, I, I appreciate you letting me ask a question. Obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in the mentality of elite athletes. And so I, I guess mine is a two-part question. Number one is, who is the is the most mentally tough player that you ever played with? And I'm not talking about best basketball player, but most mentally tough. And then the second part of that question is, is how have you evolved mentally over the years from your yeah. maybe your rookie year or maybe clear back to the Australian basketball leagues to now? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the first part of the question is an, an easy one for me. It would be Patty Mills. Um, from the Brooklyn Nets now, um, and obviously a, a long-time teammate of mine with the national team. And um, we were actually talking about it not long ago with Jock Landau, who was on our national team as well, who's now with the Spurs. And um, just uh, with Patty seeing, obviously, how professional and, and how dedicated he is to his craft of, obviously, basketball and and the health side of it and, and the mental side of it and all that and what the time he puts into it too. But I don't think people ever will really understand what he does off court and the amount of stuff he does off court. Um, being an Indigenous Australian, um, he, he's, his mum's Aboriginal, his dad's from the Torres Strait and um, growing up the way he did, he's a single single child. Um, and just, I guess, hearing stories from him and talking about it and now what he's done with all of that um what do you call it? kind of promoting his culture showing his culture to people um, the, the things he do is, is is really unbelievable and obviously um, I guess for me one of the, the kind of the coolest parts was when we won the medal this summer and um, he had so much going on and then and, and on top of that the, the contract year for him and, and trying to figure out where he's going to play and, and when he's all in on something he's all in like there's no 
and he was all in on on our boomers team and he, he was telling teams that they had to wait and, and do all this and he was just hand, he like you would just never know what's going on in his life because he just keeps everything so kind of compartmentalized of with this is the boomers and i'm fully fully in here and um, now I'm with the Brooklyn Nets and I'm fully in here, but if I've got something to do with my family and my culture and the history, and then I'm going to be fully into that. And uh, it's pretty cool to see. Um, and obviously being a close friend of it's something that you, you kind of get, go proud of someone that you, you've known since 14, 15 years old and to see kind of who he is today. So that's a, an easy one for me. And um, myself, I think, I mean, the mental side of it, I, when I first started playing professionally, I used to kick the ball into the stands about three times a practice because I would lose my mind. And um, I think just being with, with different coaches, different players, learning from different coaches and different players. And um, obviously at the point I'm at now, I'm, I'm very settled with my off-court life. Um, obviously Renee and the kids are, are, are number one and um, I've always said it and Renee's probably... The, the best one to, to kind of keep me in perspective of as long as as long as Renee's okay as long as the kids are I, I can go out there and, and play basketball and, and again obviously with basketball it's the almost kind of like the second part of my life because my, my family is number one and, and when I know they're okay and they're in a good spot and um, which is where we are right now which is funny you asked about the contract because obviously I would just love to stay here because the, the kids are in school and they're so happy and Miller's got a group of friends and Jacob over the last couple of years, his his development's just been unbelievable, and, and Renee's really settled with with a good group of friends and friends outside of basketball, and and doing some stuff in the community with the, the Millers and stuff like that, and, and donations, and um, so I, the the mental side of it is is very easy for me when I know my my family's good, and at the end of the day, I I get to play basketball for way too much money and live in a great <laughs> great place to, to play and with great fans and so the basketball side of it for me is is the easy part because it's the enjoyable part it's what I grew up doing I've done it since I was five years old I never thought I would be in the position I'm in today um, so it's very easy for me to, to as long as I get a text from Renee saying the kids are good I can go out on the court and, and, and play free and, and, and enjoy it and, and, and kind of separate those two things so not not hasn't come without ups and downs and, and frustrating times and, and being cut by the Clippers and not thinking I was going to have a job and, and all that. But um, at the end of the day, I, I would have to probably give all the credit to, to Renee and the kids because they're the ones that kind of keep me keep me going in the right direction. It's, Sorry for the two really long answers. <laughs> <laughs> it's clear, Joe, that the Australians who are in the NBA are a tight group. I remember you told us yeah. a few years back all you guys, or most of you guys anyway, went uh, down to San Diego during the All-Star break. And so one of the guys right now appears to be struggling, and that's Ben Simmons. Has there been any contact among the Australians reaching out to him? Uh, yeah, I've spoken to him a couple of times just through through messages. Um, I'm sure other guys have too. Um, how, it's funny you said that our Boomers group chat from the um, – the Olympics just popped up yesterday with some, obviously he wasn't in that cause it's just the 12 in the team. Um, but we, we stay, try and stay as connected as we can. And obviously for, for Ben in his situation, um, he's trying to figure out kind of what he wants to do. And obviously the team plays a part in that too, cause they have, they kind of, I guess have to say at the end of the day, well, who they want to trade him for or if they can figure it out and he stays. But, 
um, obviously, the, I think the latest thing was the, the mental side of it for him. And right. um, for him, I think, and, and, and every athlete, if, if you're not right in that space, you, you need to figure it out and you need to get some help and um, make sure you are doing okay. Um, obviously, everyone goes through different things at different times. Um, obviously, we've had our fair share of stuff with, with Jacob's diagnosis and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, just having having the right people around you, having the right people that you can talk to. Um, Renee's probably listening and laughing because I literally don't talk to anyone. <laughs> I, keep, I keep everything to myself except to Renee, obviously. But um, even with that, I, I'm still pretty pretty quiet on that front. So uh, I think for Ben, it's about finding the, the people he can trust and, and open up to and, and figure out what's going on and, and what he wants to do with his, his career. Does he does he want to stay there? Does he want to go? Um does he need the break that uh, that obviously he he's having at the moment? So obviously for as a as a human being first, you, you wish him all the best, and and hopefully that, that from his side and his the people around him they could, they can figure it out. And um, at the end of the day, you want the, the kid to. Be, I mean, he's still he's still a kid. He's um, he's a young dude, and you, you want him to be happy. You want him to be enjoying it because, like I said before, it's we're very lucky to to have the job that we have. For sure. Uh, one of the things I've noticed, Joe, as I've watched jazz basketball, is that you don't go and challenge shots very often. You're not considered a <laughs> shot blocker. So why would Rudy Gobert think that he's a point guard? Uh, who knows, man? <laughs> who knows? Sometimes you have these, like, I don't know, flashbacks maybe. Maybe he was a point guard when he I think he was a bit of a bit more of a guard when he was younger, but... Um, yeah, that was silly, but it is what it is. <laughs> I mean, the amount of good he does for us, um, obviously on the defensive end, and, and he's been extremely, obviously, really good this year offensively as well. But, um, yeah, we'll give him a little bit of leeway, but I doubt he's probably still asleep now. But if he is listening, next time, uh, just kick it up to Donovan or Mike or someone. Or literally anyone else. <laughs> literally, yeah. Anyone but herself. <laughs> and those two won't be on the court together at the same time. No, so never be on the court so it doesn't matter. We're good there. Uh, so you got this road trip coming up now, and you're starting to get in the flow of the season. You're a team that uh, I could argue from your rotation 1 to 10, especially when Gay gets back, is maybe the deepest rotation in the franchise history since it's moved to Salt Lake. And I I know they went to the finals and they were they were sort of top heavy there, um, but how do you go through the monotonous portion of the yeah. regular season, knowing that how you're going to be judged is in May and June? I mean, it's it's, it's a bit of a cliche answer, but it's the process of like figuring things out and getting better, and and obviously like figuring out what we want to do, how we want to play offensively, how we want to play defensively. Um, obviously we're going to see different coverages throughout the year and making sure that we execute against the coverages. Um, the one that sticks out to me still is there's been a couple games at the end of Sacramento the first time, which obviously I didn't play, but watching in the back. And it was the first time, obviously, I think it was the second or third game, but the, the first time that someone had started switching against us. And um, for us, it's obviously been a, a something we've, sometimes been good at but more been bad at um, and obviously we, we know that's what teams are going to do um, whether it be the Clippers in the playoffs in that series or whatever. The regular season is obviously a little bit different because 
teams usually play a bit more traditionally and then the playoffs they kind of tinker their lineups to how they really think obviously they can win and um, the thing with us is obviously being going small and, and dragging Rudy away from the rim and, and not letting him or, or trying to stop him protect the rim so um, but I think I think they played Harrison Barnes at the five in that game and, and we did really well and they scored two points in the last three or four minutes so for us as like you said the regular season there's going to be good games and bad games and we're going to obviously lose more games. We're not going to not lose the rest of the year and, and the process of getting better and figuring things out and, and obviously watching film and not just defensively but offensively how we want to play when guys are aggressive, when they're not, whose turn it is, is there a mismatch we can figure out. <laughs> um, just just figuring all those things out and, and obviously we've got 82 games to do that. So being diligent with it, watching film, getting better individually and, and then obviously when we have the time uh, like we realise the team's switching, like let's kill it and, and dominate that three or four minutes and make them have to get out of it and do something else. So um, as kind of monotonous as you said as the season can be um, you almost have like games within the game of, of things we have to focus on and do and um, so far we've done a, a good job of it. I think we've had um, obviously, we, we haven't been perfect for seven games, whatever it's been. Um, yeah. But obviously, more good than bad. And, and at the end of the day, we, we're able to win the games as well. So, uh, we've got a, a tough trip coming up, obviously, with these three games and, and Atlanta, obviously, what they did last year and continuing that on. And Miami are right up there again, um, as they usually are. And, and Orlando is, is playing, obviously, very young, but Jamal Mosley's got them playing extremely hard. It, some clips popped up the other day on the TV. So, um, yeah, good trip for us, and um, obviously, hopefully, we come back with three wins. But at the end of the day, we we need to come back better than when when we leave today. So right now, Jordan Clarkson can't throw it in the Great Barrier Reef, but <laughs> he is one different dude. So of all the people you've played with, it would probably affect him the least, I would think. Is that accurate? Yeah, JC's kind of JC on and off the court, regardless of um, the basketball side of things. Um, yeah, I mean, no doubt it's frustrating, um, especially because a, a lot of the shots are shots he's made in the past or, or made basically all of them last year. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, you can, you can, there's obviously a number of things you could throw up as excuses. He, he would never do that. Um, we were actually talking yesterday, Donovan was saying, it was like reading something about guys were complaining about the ball. and. Oh, yeah, I saw um, that. Yeah, Paul George. Yeah, and the the... Um, I mean, we've played. This is what the third season in two years, kind of thing. Like, it is there's been a lot of basketball played. Um, there's, there's a number of things. Obviously, at the end of the, I mean, JC's the sixth man too. Like, people are going to defend him differently than what they have in the past because of what he's been able to achieve over the last eighteen months. Um, and he'll he'll figure it out. We can do a better job as well as a team of making it easier for him, getting him some easier looks, getting him some some layups, getting him in the paint. Um, but like you said, I mean, it, it's not something that um, he would be too worried about. It. More the worry of, of wanting to help the team than individually worrying about his, his stats or percentages or anything like that. He had that just unbelievable, unbelievably funny moment when the news reporter asked him, are you going to be at Vivint this year? And he says, yeah, a lot. When you first saw that, what did you think? Um, I mean, it's funny because it's like if it was me it wouldn't surprise me that she didn't know or 
someone out there, whoever else you could think of, but or probably probably Boyan, probably just me and Boyan. <laughs> um, but I mean, JC is like JC. Like I don't know how you. I don't think anyone like even non basketball community people know JC. Um, and he's got a new, very identif what do you call it? identifying face tattoo. Like <laughs> it's not like he's this like average looking. <laughs> Dude, this doesn't look like a basketball. Like he, he is a basketball. That's what he. Um, so yeah, it, it was hilarious. We we still laugh about it now, but um, be, yeah, would have been very more surprising if it was if it was me. Yeah. It was a, what a deadpan answer, man. I mean, it just yeah. I mean, lot. and that's just JC. Like he's going to play. Like he's not going to stand up there and be like, "You don't know who I am. I'm Jordan Clark, Sixth Man of the Year." <laughs> Like, there's no way he would do that. Uh, no. Before you get out of here, tell us what you got going November 12th, because I know you got an activity, you and Renee. I don't think it's Renee and the kids. I just think it's you and Renee. But can you tell it's us Renee. about it? Yeah. Um, Culture City, obviously the border on with dealing with a, a lot of sensory processing and, and autistic kids and all families, really. Um uh, coming to Utah, a bunch of them are coming. Um, so we're holding a luncheon November 12th. Um, we're at a pretty good number of people, but we can always fit more people in. There's a couple of different rooms we're looking at or that we've got available. So um, I can post it again. I, I can retweet my tweet that I that I did. There's still some tickets. Um, there's some giveaways, some pretty cool things, and um, obviously some really, really good people to, to speak to. So if you are involved in kind of the autism or sensory processing world or it's a family member or a child or um, whatever the situation is, obviously it's more kind of lean towards that type of world. Um, But obviously we'll we'll take anyone that wants to come and and donate and help and um, awareness, obviously awareness is the main thing. So um, yeah, November 12, it's at the Grand America um, some pretty cool people coming. Some uh, one of the I don't even know what you call it. The host. The host is actually a really cool dude that everyone will enjoy hearing from. Um, so it'll be a really cool event. But yeah, November twelve, and and I'll post the link today. And there's like I said, there's still some tickets available. So um, make sure Quinn has practice off that day. Otherwise, <laughs> I'll be a little bit late. But um, yeah, really looking forward to it. All right, Joe. We'll go get three on the trip, and we'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right. That is Joe Ingles making his weekly appearance, uh, and he'll retweet that. His uh, thing, his Twitter handle is at Joe Ingles 7. It's culturecity.org to get more information. Culture with a K, culturecity.org. And Joe Ingles is going to be doing that, and that's a great fundraiser and opportunity to mingle with some fancy people and have a good time. There you go. Okay, coming up next, we'll hit you up on what you missed so far in the show. We've had a good time with Riley Jensen sitting in. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. The new Zone lineup is here. With the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10, followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hans and Scotty from noon to 3. And then the zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6, live and local, all day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone, powered by kslsports.com.
Joining us now is our good friend and frequent contributor to the show, Andrew Reinhardt, and he's from Wasatch Medical Clinic, and he does discusses the sensitive topic of ED, but the thing about it, Andrew, is you've got all sorts of studies, Cambridge University, you name it, that show the stuff that you can do for your patients works. Tell us about it. Yeah, that's exactly right. There's 50 clinical studies behind the acoustic wave therapy that we use for erectile dysfunction. The Cleveland Clinic, that's one of the biggest hospitals in America, Cambridge, the Journal of Sexual Medicine, so many others have said this can reverse ED by repairing blood vessels. In fact, the Cleveland Clinic, that study, here's what they said. This generated a clinical and statistical increase in blood flow. That is so cool. It's exactly what a guy with ED needs. And of course, the big attraction, PK, I think, is no pills. That's no side effects. Just better performance in the bedroom. Yeah, and that's the bottom line there for sure, and that's the whole objective, and that's what you're about. So give Wasatch Medical a call. The phone number is 801-901-8000. Now, when they call today, what are you going to give them? Well, if you call us now, uh, the assessment exam and blood flow ultrasound is free. That's with our medical doctor. You get the gift. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard of this failing, by the way. It produces immediate results in the bedroom. And if you're like so many, a little lethargic, uh, blood work and testosterone is free today as well. All right, very good. Give Wasatch Medical a call. The phone number is 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Thanks a lot, Andrew. Thank you. All right, we got to get to the 9 a.m. radio Slacker Radio Headlines, and they are brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air. Yeah, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's now for their $59 furnace tune-up, or you can visit them online at leesheatac.com. Leesheatac.com. Whew, that's a lot of reads, man. Uh, we need DJ back, but he's not here right now. Fortunately, I got the next best thing. I got Riley Jensen joining us right now. He's rocking our world with the mental health. I, I'm mentally tougher today, having spent these last couple of hours with you. And I just, I, I really appreciate you getting vulnerable with me, you know, and just sharing your thoughts and your, your innermost. <laughs> I don't have any innermost thoughts. <laughs> I'm, I'm innermost thought it out. We got the demons out today. Demons out. Demons are circulating above me at all times. Uh, this, this is my respite. This studio. This is my That's key therapy. to uh, any form of sanity. Is through this work. Joe Ingles. Often, when he joins us, and he joins us every week, talks about how lucky he is to have the job that he has. Well, I'm right there with Joe on my job. I'm very, very lucky. That makes three of us. This is medicine for me. It really is. I've got issues. Uh, my friends know what they are. and But when I come in here, I can act like a screw-off and a screwball and have a whole lot of fun with sports. I hope people can enjoy it because ultimately I just view sports as fun. I know it's serious to a lot of different people, but for me, it's fun. We've been talking about mental performance today for sure, how the Jets have uh, hired John Beck to try to help not just the the mechanics of football, but the mental health aspect for John Beck or uh, Zach Wilson. It's a very interesting topic 
Uh, and then the Cougars ranked 15th in the college football poll. How cool is that? I didn't see that coming. I thought they would be ranked lower. I thought Cincinnati would be ranked higher. I thought Oregon would be ranked lower. Cincinnati ranked 8th, Oregon 4th. No, I think Cincinnati 6th, Oregon 4th, Oklahoma 8th at undefeated. So, uh, I'm surprised Oregon's that high. Yeah, me too. Me too. But Interesting. Uh, uh, good for them. I, I think they're going to play the Utes twice. They got them here in a couple of weeks at Rice-Eccles. And then I think they're going to get them in Vegas the first week of December. Uh, I, I, I mean... I'm actually, of all the things I'm certain, excuse me, about in the Pac-12, I'm less certain about who's going to win the North as I am who's going to win the South. I think it's a virtual lock that Utah wins the South. I could be wrong, but I think it's a virtual lock that they're going to win the South. Well, they're certainly putting themselves in a in a nice position right now. Yeah, and the, if for no other reason, the teams around them suck. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you'd say that about the Sun Devils. Why? Because they suck? Where have you been the last 40 years? They suck? Where have you been the last 40 years? Yes, they do. Sounds tragic. Yeah, it sounds consistent. (laughs) You want to be consistent. That football program is consistent. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. Five turnovers, all sorts of penalties. Uh, You're done. You're done. Oh, yeah, yeah. If they're not going to take it seriously, why should I? What's the threshold every year? Because you've told me they're consistent. Like this, what's the threshold every year where you're just like, oh, forget it? Was uh, it game five? Was it game four? I think game it was seven, like 1998. <laughs> <laughs> just after Jake Plummer, yeah, yeah, in the Rose years. Bowl, a couple yeah, years yeah. after that, then yeah, you're yeah. just like, yeah, yeah, I'm. That was a fluke, and it was a fun fluke, but now it's back to reality. That was, that was a fun season. I mean, they've in f- uh, what thirty some years. Uh, or 20-some. They've only won eight regular season games like seven times. Wow. Yeah, so, I mean, if they get to eight this year, that's a success as far as I'm concerned. They've got a shot. What do they, if they go three and one, they can get to eight. That's a success for where that program has been. Yeah. You gotta be realistic <laughs> about who you are. Right? So Yeah, it's awareness. Yeah. And Basic I, awareness is important. And we got some breaking news. How about this? Aaron Rodgers is going to miss Sunday's game with the Chiefs after testing positive for COVID-19. So he's out. I just saw that flash up on the ESPN. That's that's big news. It certainly is. Now It's good news for the Chiefs, who've been struggling. They have, yeah. Good right. news for Jordan Love. That's where I was going with that. Uh, because you're a Utah State guy, and Jordan Love's been standing around, seems like, for 10 years. I think it's only uh, into his third. Uh, well, he at least got some reps in the preseason this he year. Did. He which did. he didn't get the year before. Correct. What do you and know I of, thought he looked pretty good. Yeah, what do you know of Jordan Love? So Jordan Love is one of those guys that is very... It, he wasn't physically gifted coming out of high school. This was a skinny kid. He put a lot of work into his game. Um, I thought that he had an unbelievable junior year. I thought he had a very average, and I think he would admit, a very average senior year. He's been drafted into a really good Although situation. Although it was junior year. I thought he came out early. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Okay. So his last year was not as right. good as his second to last gotcha. year, right? Yeah. And so 
and I think I think he would admit that. But I think what's been really good is he's had the luxury that Philip Rivers had with the San Diego Chargers, that Aaron Rodgers had with the Green Bay Packers, that right. some of these great quarterbacks that we see now had a couple of years to kind of watch the game and learn what it means to be a pro, learn what the speed looks like, learn about all those things. And I would I would be very surprised if Jordan Love doesn't play well this weekend. I think he's I think he's in a spot where he's prepared. I think he's in a spot where he feels confident. And look, he can make the throws. He can do all those things. And I was really, really pleased with the progression from his last year at Utah State to the preseason this year. I thought he played excellent football for Green Bay. So you think he's ready? I do. I think he's ready. Now, does that mean that... You know, he pulls a New York Jets quarterback and throws for 405 yards this weekend. I don't know. Way better, but, but I think he's going to play well. I do think he'll play well. All right, it'll be. I Aaron Rodgers is my favorite player in the NBA or the NFL to watch. I don't really have a team. I just root for guys, and I love watching him play. But now this game is going to take on added interest because Jordan Love's going to play. Right, and again, again, going back to like our first segment where we talk about quarterbacks being a paranoid bunch, I mean, he's been pretty vocal about, Aaron Rodgers has been pretty vocal about not being that happy that they selected Jordan Love to replace him, right? So now he's out with COVID-19, which I don't know exactly what his symptoms are, but if he's asymptomatic, it's probably really frustrating to him that he can't play in this game because quarterbacks like to play. They don't like to give anybody any sort of advantage or any sort of thought that that, that they could take your place. Now, yeah. Aaron Rodgers, you would think would be past that, but you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised at the mentality of really, really good quarterbacks also don't want to come off the field because they don't want anybody like messing around in their house. Yeah, who was it? Was it uh, a couple years back? Was it was it Peyton Manning? And I think it was Brock Osweiler looking like he was going to go in the game, but Peyton wouldn't come out. Yeah. And they showed it on the sidelines. <laughs> He's going to take a few. Well, I, remember, I remember Tom Brady being really upset, and I can't even remember the name of this quarterback now. It's 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 been long enough. But they drafted a quarterback out of Arkansas from Bobby Petrino. He's like a 6'6 six, oh, six guy. Mallet? Yeah, yeah. That's who it was. Yeah. And, and I don't even know where that dude is, but I remember Tom Brady like manufacturing enthusiasm and anger about the fact that, that they had drafted another quarterback, right? That's why he left last year, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. He's still <laughs> mad about that. <laughs> no, but I've never, I mean, if you want to get off on a tangent, Tom Brady and the way that he manufactures like his motivations is pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Yeah, whatever works for you, huh? Right. I mean, PK, I, I put you in the same category as Tom Brady. There's Patrick Hinhan, Tom Brady. I would go you know, Brady first. Okay, but you could make an argument for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't remember any compliment, but I remember every slight. <laughs> because there's no compliments to remember. That's why I don't remember any. Well, yeah. the higher you go, PK, which yeah. where you're at is... is is very lofty, pretty rarefied air. It right? is, yeah. Very the less thin. compliments you get, I Good. mean, when you get them, you got you got to run on that thing for three or four months. Until, I don't want until you're running on fumes. I don't. You I, don't even want them. No, I don't. But I just gave you one. I don't want them. I didn't accept it. If I don't accept it, did you give me something? If a compliment falls in the forest and the tree doesn't accept it, does it fall in the forest? No. Oh, think about it. Philosophical. And speaking of forest, Trent Forrest, I don't think he got in the game last night, so we need to talk about the Jazz, of course. 
as they take care of business with the Sacramento Kings. When I you, see what you did there. Yeah, it's very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> I compliment myself enough. So I was going to say, you don't need my compliment. Who yeah. needs compliments when you can compliment yourself? Yeah. Uh, quickly tell us what you see of Donovan Mitchell's body language, because I think Donnie Basketball is one of those dudes who has it. Oh, I think the coolest thing about watching Donovan Mitchell is, is even when things aren't going perfectly in a basketball game, he finds ways to contribute to the team. For sure. And I think that's been true since his rookie year. There's a swagger, there's a confidence about him that's just really unique. Is he the best player in the NBA? I don't know, but I don't think there's very many there's there's not very many people in the NBA that I want taking a last shot or leading a team than Donovan Mitchell. I mean I there's agree. there's very few people that I would put in that category. I agree. Love the dude. Looking forward to watching him this year and in in the years to come for sure. All right. Coming up next, we'll finish up the show, get some feedback. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Welcome back in. Riley Jensen joining us this morning. Riley, thanks for being here. We really appreciate it. We talked a lot of things. Uh, John Beck being the coach for... Zach Wilson and the Jets. The Cougars getting the 15th ranking in the poll was shocking to me. Shocking to some people. BYU, I put this on Facebook in the feedback of the day. Hey, they're ranked 15th. That's a ton of respect. And immediately I got, and the accompanying Independence Bowl is their reward. That ticks me off. That just ticks me off, man. Their bowl game, because it's not an illustrious bowl. Is there any such thing as an illustrious bowl now if it's not the playoff or maybe one of the New Year's Day six? Everything else is the same. How dare they criticize going to the Independence Bowl? What would you have done to go to the Independence Bowl? Me? Yeah, you. I would have loved to go to the Independence Bowl. That's what I'm talking about. Actually, the Humanitarian Bowl was really fun. There you go. Yeah. It's for the kids. These, these bowl snobs really just drive me nuts. Uh, Aaron Sands, good respect. Didn't think it would be that high. Way to go, Cougs. Well-deserved, Gwen says. Surprised they're 15th? Seems pretty high. Seems like they got a lot of respect. <laughs> I, You know, when, you, when you're talking about BYU and being ranked 15th, and, and we heard that quote coming out of the break, it was just kind of funny to me. It, it, but what we really got to do is we got to focus on Idaho State. Like a team that's normally ranked 15th at this time of year, like you don't hear them talking about like playing one game at a time, and we got a big game against Idaho State this week. Right? <laughs> like, that was just awkward. Like, that was just a, a weird... I mean, I love it. I, listen, I love it when teams like adopt their coach's personality and they get into coach speak and they talk about all this. They're not losing to freaking Idaho State. And guess what? They could blow them out 70 to nothing. It's not going to do anything for their ranking. It's not going to do anything for their respectability. It's not going to. In fact, the only thing that can happen is if they play a tight game with Idaho State and they would lose ground instead of gaining ground. Yeah. And, and they'll just beat them by however many points they want to beat them on. I think Idaho State's one in seven. Yeah. So not going to be anything to worry about. It's just there. a weird. It was a weird. It was a weird comment. I think BYU deserves it. I think they're. I think they're pounding the football again. I think they've kind of made a, a, a nice recovery from the the two game losing skid that they had, 
And I don't look at any game right now as a game that they can't win for the rest of the year. And who cares? I mean, look, the bowl games, like you said, unless you're in a New Year's Six Bowl, like they're all the same. Right. They're all the same. And in fact, some of the... I heard... um, uh, a former player for the Utes the other day. Oh, I didn't hear it. I think I saw it on Twitter. But he was just talking about how, like, hey, say what you want about the Las Vegas Bowl. He goes, that was that was awesome as far as, like, a bowl game goes and as far as the gifts that you receive and as far as the activities that you have during the week. He, he, he compared it to some other bowl game that maybe was a little more prestigious, and he thought it was way better. Cool. Yeah. And so, look, when you... I mean, most of the P5 teams, if they're not playing in a New Year's Six or a, just like you said, in a New Year's Six or a playoff type scenario, I mean, it doesn't really matter anyway. The, the, the bowl games have kind of lost their... They have. I think their, they're just for the kids to have a good time, to be together one last time yeah. before people go their separate ways because every year teams change. So if you have a fan who isn't into it, so be it. It doesn't matter. Uh, on the, it's just... No big deal. I, I, I can recall going down to watch U, Utah State play New Mexico State and just see the excitement in the New Mexico State kids' faces to be in Tucson. I covered that bowl game, the Arizona Bowl, I think it was called, and I thought, I'm never going to make fun of these bowls again because of these New Mexico State kids, they were having the time of their lives, and that's what matters. That's a, that's a good point. Everything that's a good else point. is irrelevant. Like, when we went up to the Humanitarian Bowl at Utah State, it was like the first bowl game since like clear back when Merlin Olson. Or yeah. no, it wasn't the first bowl game. There was the Las Vegas Bowl, but yeah. it was it was a great opportunity, and the guys had a lot of fun. All right, thanks for joining us. We've got Jake Scott and Ben Anderson next. Stay with us, ninety-seven five, twelve eighty, the zone.